Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zombie Girls Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is quite the motley crew today. <laughs> Next to me in actual real life after a year apart is the one and only Matilda. Hi. Hailing from Hi. the Pacific West, we've got Ariel. And representing the deep, deep California Central Valley is Sarah. <laughs> I don't live in Boron. <laughs> he sounds so insulting. <laughs> She's not in Boron. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. You're right. You're right. Corrected. Retracted. The two deeps, not three deeps. Um, and, but that's not all. That's right, folks. We have a very, very special guest joining us today from the land of Buckeyes and chocolate flavored chili. Gross. It's the one and only Larry. <laughs> Yeah, I've never tried that, but I, I have heard about it. <laughs> Did you not smoke weed when you in a while? I feel like there's a direct line of yeah. It wasn't weed that wasn't until college, chili. like real college, not the not the military college, okay. like the fun times. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what though? Chocolate chili makes sense. I mean, when you consider that, like, that's, mole, a good yeah. I think that's true, and yeah. I actually love mole. I think it's maybe just the floaty ground beef I, in it. It's the chili you object to. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I don't like chili in general, but like and the idea of beans. sweet chili. Oh. <laughs> you don't like beans, Rachel? I she hates beans. They are my mortal nemesis for life. Interesting. I did and, not know that about you. Yeah. All right. Well, enough vegan talk. Let's get, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, all right. So our listeners hopefully already are very familiar with you, Larry, because of our various crossovers on Here's Johnny and on the Stream Queens. But just in case they somehow miss you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, Here's Johnny? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Larry. Um, like Rachel said, I, I come from the Midwest uh, and I have always liked scary movies. Uh, Justin, my co-host on Here's Johnny, and I met through a Final Fantasy podcast. And I remember like three years ago now, Justin posted on Twitter if someone wanted to start a horror video game podcast with him. And I said, I'll do it, but it has to be half movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we started doing it and I realized that just like reviewing stuff, really, it's, it's fun, but we wanted to go a little bit deeper, um, yeah. especially after we did a review of the Suspiria remake. <laughs> Justin wasn't able to see it. So it was just me talking about it. And as a fan of the original and not really knowing what to think about the remake, it was, it was rough. Yeah. And then the first February, cause it used to be women in horror month. Yeah. We put together like a four week stretch where we brought on different women to talk about different aspects of horror. And I reached out to Rachel because we had done like research and trying to find other podcasts similar to us. Aww. And she came on to re-review Suspiria. Yeah. Which was kind because she thought we were bringing her on to beat her up. I didn't know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Like, I listened to the podcast and I was like, okay, all right. You know, like, uh, I think your logo at the time was like, you guys on Resident Evil and one of you was Jill Valentine. And I was like. Oh, yeah, Justin. This looks promising. <laughs> yeah, Ju Justin is far more outgoing than I. Uh <laughs> But yeah, that went that went super well, and it was like honestly that that really kind of started making us want to do just a little bit more. So we've had um, Ashley Blackwell on; she mm -hmm. uh, wrote and produced uh, Horror Noir for Shudder. Yeah, um, we've had some trans writers on talk about trans representation, feminist writers on, and basically we're just trying our best to like 
we're two guys. We like horror movies, but there's a lot more to it than that. Rachel's been on several times. We've been doing Saw recently, which has just been something. Um, <laughs> it was not my choice of selection. Uh, but Justin was happy, and that's what matters. Um, but Rachel joined me for Midsummer. Yeah. And I think Got that your night... first hate mail. You're welcome. Yeah, I think that was the. That was such a good episode. Oh my gosh! And like, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, what are you like? Why are you pulling all this stuff from the movies? Like, that's what it's talking about. Like, full stop. (laughs) Yes. But I remember that there's feminism in a movie about a woman that burns her boyfriend alive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that was actually, I think, because I was still in Utah, Rachel. I think we we talked on Skype for man eight hours because we started yeah. talking about like kavanaugh and yeah. politics in me too because yep. like, we just it was just you and i and we were unfiltered and devin was in grad school so i had all the time in the world yep. out there in the mountains <laughs> that was like our total bonding moment for yeah sure. mm-hmm. yeah um but no it was I, deep in the kavanaugh at that point and yes yes and we, <laughs> one of many dark days <laughs> we we did uh rachel and i did um three from hell which mm-hmm. was a giant disappointment yeah it was a rough go but it was a fun it was a fun episode i mean what i've yes. learned is bad movies sometimes make for the best episodes and we 100%. had a lot of fun with that one mm-hmm. and we got to sing our praises for sherry moon zombie which That's i will true. do to the end of time lords of salem ill i die yeah yep but yeah i mean that's that's kind of it uh we we release episode every single week um we like talk about scary movies and uh Rachel and I have been talking about me coming on here for a while. Yeah. And I told her if we did it, I wanted to do something heavy. And so <laughs> Rachel's like, well, there's a couple movies I've been wanting to do. And I was uh, like, all right. This feels like a rewrite of <laughs> I had never even heard of Repulsion. I did recommend Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. we start. You started with Rosemary's Baby. And then we were like bouncing around with ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well... He does have another movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I do I do remember, I think it was Eddie who wrote in asking if we had seen Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby and how they'd be oh, really? really good to review. Yeah, I think like he did. A, yeah, there was, there was yeah. somebody. There was somebody. I'm not Eddie. sure if it was, if, but that they thought that, that we would, would have a, a great discussion on them and he wanted to get like a, a, a female take on them and the uh, consensus was never polanski oh maybe maybe when he died <laughs> we might talk about him but we were never ever going to be polanski that's right. why i was like that's why i was like damn larry how much did you did you patreon to the cast i mean he gave us the ethical loophole that i needed to feel and I, I can i can <laughs> like, i can guest. tell you that this is my first time ever seeing one of his movies Oh, Both really? of these is that were... right? You've yeah. never seen either of oh, these. That's crazy. Oh, no! And I did uh, go on the Black Seas to watch both of them. So, boy, <laughs> and you're not a pirate. No, I'm not. But I yeah. was not giving him the six dollars for renting. Absolutely correct choice. Oh, 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 oh no! It, we we were all. I think we were all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there was yeah there was there was no way I was going to give that asshole one <laughs> sweet no, dime yes, of my absolutely money. Not. Absolutely. And I'm excited to talk about it because I have 
feelings about both these movies. So I'm excited to hear oh, what you guys have to think I too. I feel like that's a universal. <laughs> like what, what those feelings be may be may vary, but we all have feelings. And I and I, I know that someone. I'm not really sure exactly who matches up on Discord or not. But I know someone did did not enjoy themselves. Uh, that was Sarah <laughs> with the uh, Rosemary's Baby. So I'm excited to hear about that. <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah. Me and me and the wife. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I know. I'm so All right, interested. So I guess what we're saying is this going to be a, a spicy episode. <laughs> so Matilda, you, I think you had a couple questions. We get to know you questions for Larry. Oh wow! Okay. All right. So we just wanted to kind of get to know you. Okay. <laughs> A little bit. All right. So, Larry. Yes. How many zombie girls does it take to screw in a light bulb? It depends how high the light bulb is. <laughs> I'm sorry. The correct answer is uh, we're women and it's not funny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I tried to skate around. I didn't I was just know. picturing me and, and Matilda trying to, to, trying to reach. I know. <laughs> We're not at all people as zombie girls. No, we're not. <laughs> what famous feminist is the hottest and why? Ooh. <laughs> Rachel, I can hear you in the back. I'm just <laughs> trying to, to think how, how to answer it. I would have to say Ayn Rand, right? Why? Well, obviously, laissez-faire capitalism for the win. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Let's let the free market decide who the hottest <laughs> feminist is. Um, <laughs> uh, which movie trope is more crushworthy: the manic pixie dream girl or the born sexy yesterday? Born sexy yesterday really makes me uncomfortable. So we're going to go with the uh, manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> Born yesterday just reminds me of when we had to cast children for My Sweet Audrina. I was like, I'm just going to de-age full-grown people. <laughs> I, will, I will not be tempted. <laughs> Two-part question. Okay. In U.S. dollars, how would you estimate the value of the emotional labor it has taken your current female partner to bring you to even this level of sensitivity? And how do you plan to compensate her? <laughs> Oh, wow. So that's actually a really, really good one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will give uh, Dev, my, my wife, um, I would give her just so much credit because I had never had a relationship longer than like three months before we started getting together. Um, I, I give her patience to us being like elementary school sweethearts. So she's like, there's a good guy down here somewhere. But growing up with, like, parents who have a really bad relationship and, like, seeing it from, like, your aunts and uncles and everything, I don't think there is a number. So hopefully moving to Utah and um, encouraging her to go to law school, which is what she wants to do, and telling her that if slash when we have kids, I'll take that on. I'm hoping that compensates for it. But no, I give I give Dev <laughs> a whole lot of credit. All right. God damn it. Yeah. I, was I know. There's no really answer. Really answer. Oh, sorry. Should I be, have been funny? Joe Rogan. It was Joe Rogan. I know. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's All right. A, that Welcome. Good Very solid. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for dealing with our hazing. Yes. Support. 
I was like, do Z, like, do Z way, but about feminism. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, as our guest, as we said, you got to pick the movies this time. So, you decided, I guess we decided that we, <laughs> we would tackle Polanski. So, yes. we're going to be reviewing two of his most famous films, slash, unintentional confessions. Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> but before we get into that, I just want to catch up a little bit on about all the things that you guys have been watching since we were all together. So, Ariel, let's start with you. But before we do, do you have any weird neighbor updates that we need to know or general Arielisms that we need to share first? <laughs> Um, so do you guys remember that house where I saw the naked guys hanging out in their garage, the older dudes? Oh, Are, yeah. Do I remember? Yeah. I wonder about it every day. So they moved out. Oh. And they have been replaced by a group of 10 frat guys. No. Who are now living there. Bring back the low balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they own... Like a DJ kit and a oh, drum no. set. Oh no! Oh no! And they oh, think no. they're like oh, God. really good. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> and it's bad. Also, as soon as they moved in, that's when I started seeing condoms littered throughout my neighborhood. Oh no! And mm. their front lawn is always covered in bottles of alcohol, like em- like empty bottles of alcohol. And the other day, I was walking by, and they had their garage door open, and they have a giant screen TV in there. And wow. they were just all sitting around watching porn together on the <laughs> with the garage door open. Larry, at three o'clock as, in the afternoon. As a former, I don't know if you were in a frat, but like frat. I was not, but I went to the frat capital of the United States. So what's okay, up? is porn watching a group activity? I will also or include my endeavor. time at West Point, and never. Oh. Ever, ever, I have never, I have never done that. The friends who I hang out with, we have never done that. I mean, I have visited gentleman club, right, with friends, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to sit around in a garage, <laughs> like drinking beers on a weekend, watching porn, that just seems weird. I think they're doing some stuff. Right? Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay, thank you for that update. What have you been watching? So I watched a movie on Shutter called Boys from County Hell. Mm, mm-hmm. And this is an Irish movie about these guys who are playing a prank on some tourists and accidentally unearth a vampire-like creature. Ooh. Yes, as one does, of course. (laughs) And it's one of those movies that kind of reminds me um, of the humor style of maybe Get Duked or Homebound. And so it's a bunch of kind of quirky characters who are all trying to overcome this evil vampire. And it's really funny and it has a lot of really sweet moments. So I really enjoyed it. And the vampire itself, the way that it sucks blood is very different than I've ever seen done before, which is interesting because we've seen like a million vampire movies over the years. So I would recommend it, especially to you, Rachel. I think you would appreciate the humor style in it. I mean, it sounds like something I would like. Yeah. So then I also watched this film on Netflix called Oxygen. It's a French language film about a woman who wakes up to find herself trapped in a cryogenic tank, basically. And Mm -hmm. she has to try over the course of the movie to figure out how to get out of it. 
And the first act of this movie is super tense because you're stuck in there with her. I mean, you are stuck in there with her basically the whole movie. But the first act, I think, is especially tense. And for somebody like me who's a bit claustrophobic, ooh, kind of made my skin crawl. So it might work really well for people. I, however, getting into it, did not know that it was going to be a near-future tech dystopia kind of deal. So I was Mm. not super jazzed on the ending of it. Yeah. Got it. And I don't know, has anybody else seen it? Because I'm dying Mm. to know if anybody liked the ending of this movie. If you want people to watch it, you can't go into the chat (laughs) and be like, I need to know if anyone actually liked the end of this movie. I'm like, you're selling me on it. Well, because it's so, it's weirdly sappy. It's weird to end a horror movie the way it does. Anyways, I'm just curious to see. Like Somebody needs to watch it for me. But I'm afraid, I think you're right, I did the same thing with uh, Hagazusa, where I could never get anybody to watch that <laughs> movie. Yeah. To talk you need to, to work on your salesman it. skills a little bit. Yeah, so I yeah, just need yeah. to lie. Like, hey, this movie had the best ending ever. Go watch it now so we could talk no, about it. No, just be, like, I would use language like, hey, did anybody check this out? I def- I want to touch bases on this ending. Like, you tease your audience yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Don't be like, I didn't like it. Tell right, me right. why you did or did not like that. You're like, oh, I don't know. It's like that. anyone who listened to any of us talk about the mm-hmm. final season of Game of Thrones who was like, maybe I'll start that series. No, I won't. No, right. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, all right. Ariel, I'll uh, watch it though, because that watched, sounds like it's for yeah. me. I think it might be for you. Uh-huh. And you might feel totally differently about the way it ended than I did. So I'd be very curious. And the acting in it is really great because it's just her the whole movie. I mean, you have vo- other people's voices over the phone or the computer, but otherwise it's just her. I can't remember her name, but she's really good in it. Mm. Um, the other thing that I watched was the new Conjuring movie. It's on HBO Max right now. It's called uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. We're Has watching it tonight. You're watching it tonight? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you did. Night. What did you think? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a Conjuring movie? Can you... So for those who saw it, can you tell that James Wan isn't behind the camera anymore? Yeah. Damn it. That's my fear. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was at least interesting enough that the, the wife has Googled that little, like, fetish thing that they keep finding. And apparently Warner Brothers is, is going to put it out, but it's not available. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because you guys want one in your home? Because we both looked at it. Well, it is cool. Okay. cool. <laughs> So this one is a little bit different than the first two Conjuring movies, which really focus in on a family. Mm-hmm. This one does that a little bit in the beginning, but most of the movie you're following Ed and Lorraine Warren as they, in tandem, try to sort of stop this evil presence and try to investigate some crimes that have happened in order to help support this guy who's being charged with murder, even though he was he's saying that he was possessed by a demon it makes me feel better knowing that those two are the focus because they're both such great vera formiga and patrick wilson are just great actors so yeah yeah they are really great and i think that that kind of saves the movie for me because they're so entertaining and Mm -hmm. i think the movie is really entertaining the two things that i think are a problem with it are one, I think the sound design is weird on this one. Mm-hmm. You know how in exorcism possession movies yeah. where people have like their bones kind of contorting and their bodies contorting and you hear those kind of bone cracking sounds? Mm. Sure. Here it sounds super fake. 
So it's okay. very disconnected, yeah. the sounds from what's actually happening on screen. And for me, it pulled me out. It's like, well, that's not, mm. I'm not hearing what's really happening. So it's not scary because of that. And I also think they used way too much CGI in those scenes. So that reminds me very of, very obvious. Have you, did you see this director's oh, first movie, no. The Curse of La Llorona? Yeah. No, I skipped that one because it got such bad reviews. It it sounds like more of the same, which is such a, I, okay. I, it's such a bummer. Like, I, I yeah. don't know. I also watch it because the first two Conjurings, particularly the first one, are just so good. Yes, agreed. I think it's James Wan behind the camera that made, especially the first one, so good. Yeah, I mean, I love the first one, too. And for me, like I said, those things being unrealistic. I mean, obviously, it's unrealistic. It's a possession. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think is a failing of it is that in the first two movies, what is so tense and scary are these families just being relentlessly attacked, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the slow buildup of tension as things slowly start to unfold and slowly start to happen. Mm-hmm. Here, you're not really following a family. So you don't get that same tension of having kids and a loving family being attacked by something. Mm-hmm. And also the action starts at high speed and it never builds tension through the movie. It's just always big things happening after big things happening. And I think that takes away from how scary it could be. Such a disappointment. That's honestly why we've been putting it off. Is like Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. I still had fun watching it. Okay. So, <laughs> you know. Do what that was, what you will, I guess. But <laughs> but don't expect it to be as good as the first one. You'll be setting yourself up for a failure, definitely. Honestly, for me, the, the, the biggest thing to it, the two biggest things were, it wasn't until the end of the movie that I realized that the girlfriend was not their daughter. Because she's, like, hanging out in their house. and Wait, like, what? And, and, <laughs> That's not their daughter? Yeah, yeah Artie's... Arnie's Arnie's girlfriend is not what? their daughter. She's the little boy's older sister. Because there was that line in the beginning oh, where oh, Arnie goes, yeah, no, I knew that. I'm sorry. I... And he go, and he goes, "Oh, you're gonna marry my sister." Yeah. And yeah, but like I didn't know that girl was, was not, not their Ed daughter. and Lorraine that, or there's... Oh, you got those yeah. two actors mixed up. Gotcha. Okay, I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah, because they they look the they same. They do look similar. So I'm like, wait a minute, what the yeah. hell is going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then and then the other thing too is like knowing like the Ed and Lorraine story, them being like the the ultimate love and love story, blah blah blah. Like, it, oh, it does have a pretty annoying. cheesy ending. Yeah, because because you know Ed pretty much put his dick into any anything oh, that oh, really? you know. Gotcha. Oh wow, we're, we're ruining everything today. I did not know that. Yeah, yes. Where dreams come to die. <laughs> so, so for me, that was also like really annoying. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know that about them, but it does have a pretty syrupy ending. So I'll give you that. Part of the it, it reason I like Rosemary's Baby is the. It yep. Is the, <laughs> <of> the, <laughs> the the possession God wins movies. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Lord. Like, yeah. I'll get around yeah, it. I get that. I have a real fondness for the first one, and I think the second one's entertaining. I would Valak put this one below one those, but above the nun, if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So warm but not yeah. hot recommendation. Yes. How about you, Tilly? Yeah. What have you been watching? Uh, well, I watched a great horror movie that I don't know if anyone else has seen called The Columnist. No, but I've been meaning to. I've heard things about it. 
I really loved it. Do you know what it is? It's a, it's a Dutch movie about a journalist who gets a lot of hate online for her mm -hmm. opinions. And she, it's oh. kind of a revenge movie awesome. about trolls. Ooh, okay. And it's funny. Okay. And it's sweet. Okay. I really like it. I think I'm curious to see what anybody else thinks about it. I All right. Well, kind of that just moved up my priority list. Yeah, I think you'll like it, especially as a professional writer. Right. <laughs> a professional writer that has been in the center of many circular firing squads. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also been watching Mayor of East yes. Town. Yes. I am watching that, so no spoilers. Yes. Evan Peters is so good. Really well, I did so not much. know he was in yeah. that. It's, it's been on my list, but yeah. that's even more intriguing. Is it done yet? Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. I've got one left. Oh, you have one left. It's so good. I'm only two in. I swear to God, I never get to watch things. That yeah, I watch. you gotta watch it. <laughs> it's, it's got such good twists and turns. The mystery is great, but also all the characters are just done so well. They feel like fully, fully drawn in characters. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. And Kate Winslet is awesome, and it as is Gene Smart. They're both great. Yes, I mean, oh, Gene Smart. Yeah. There's a good Gene Smart thing that comes later, Rachel, that you need to get I to. Cannot wait. I've been um, terrorizing Ariel with photos of Gene Smart with the giant um, Dr. Manhattan. Because I'm that kind of friend. Not me. And the other thing I watched, surprising even myself, was yeah, Army this, of the Dead. I was that. not expecting this to show up on yeah. your list. I mean, the Tignataro of it. I'm sure. gonna... Tign okay, you're right, you're yeah. right, you're right. You're right, 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 right we'd right. say this is where dreams come to die, but here's one where something was fixed Yeah, in a lovely right. way. And can we, I, I am on team replace, digital replace, like oh, creepy dudes. Oh, is that why Tignataro and everything. I didn't right? realize that. Yeah. yeah. Her she... and Dave Bautista have yet to meet. What? <laughs> yeah. Even though they mm -hmm. share scenes together, it was all shot with a different comedian. I don't know his name. Off the top Chris Delia. Oh, after Thank those. You. A yeah. rapist. Yeah. And yep. so they just, yeah, they just went ahead and digitally Oh, shit. Okay, that him. makes so much sense because I did feel like there were scenes where people weren't realizing how short she is. <laughs> like they weren't looking at her face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So she is entirely like a post production. Oh, that is fascinating. So, I mean, yeah. I love her so yeah. much. She steals it. She, yeah, she's like, she, the best yeah, part of that movie. she is totally the steals best it. Part of that movie. I also hate cigars, but now I'm kind of hot for cigars. <laughs> right? Yeah. I was like, oh, this is what an oral. Right. Is. <laughs> yes. And if I haven't recommended it on this podcast before, uh, definitely recommend the Instagram feed of Natasha Leon smoking. Oh, okay. Do you not oh. know this? There yeah, is an entire on, Instagram, Instagram account right now. <laughs> dedicated to Natasha Leon smoking. And if you like to, Natasha, just, I'm just, just go leaning in okay. at this point. Just go lean in. <laughs> Right. You will not, no regrets on that one. Yeah. Well, because the first time I saw that, that photo of, of Tig where she's standing there, the sunglasses and the cigar, oh. and I'm like, you know, I like have had a mad crush on her wife for like a long ass time, but damn. Yeah. Right. If you weren't already gay, you are now. Right. And then, and then, of course, it reminded me I've got two cigars that I got last year that I still haven't smoked. All right, we're going to need a Tignataro-style, like, aviator glasses, you with yes, the cigar Sarah, photo. Yes, Sarah, do it for I'm us. Just... Yes. 
Oh, I just cut oh, my hair perfect. too. So. Oh my uh. god! <laughs> Dreams come. See, I said they die here. No, no, no! Like a phoenix, <laughs> they rise. <laughs> They're rising from the cigar ashes. Yes. yes. So I watched this and I had a good time. You know, like a well, heist it's movie. Aliens, I think but kind with of. Zombies. It is. Yeah, and well, all the female yeah. characters are excellent in yeah. this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other people who watch this, did you like it? Did you like yeah, I mean, it's dumb fun. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun movie. It is ridiculously dumb. I wish they... <laughs> I, 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 I would have liked them to cut out some of the sappy bits, like when she's like, you know... I know. Yes. Him, and I'm like, you got, this you got like ten pointless. minutes to get to the Hilo. Move, yeah. fucking move. No one move. cares nor believes this plot. <laughs> no, it was unbelievable. Nobody yeah. cares, and it amounted to nothing at all. I mean, she's gone two seconds later. And and yeah, what's her face getting kidnapped? Yeah. And that was like, really annoying. Oh come on! We didn't ever find out what happened and, really after the helicopter. Well, well, from 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 what I understand, they actually did. Sh- they actually had filmed her dead in the Hilo. But it, Chris, what's, what's his fucking mm-hmm. face out of the scene? Oh. So they just had to cut it. Well, then somebody should have said something. Like, couldn't have there been a line that was... Yeah, there could have been yeah. a drop line. They could have thrown a mannequin right? off to the side and set it on fire. And she'd been like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no. Yeah, it just felt like a wasted plot line. And oh, it also felt like they were trying to say something about immigration and border politics and ended up saying absolutely nothing worthwhile about it. My one big irritation with it is the stuff now. It's like, oh yeah, well yeah, there's definitely aliens and uh and and robot zombies in there, and it's like, can't they just be evolving zombies? I mean, have you ever have haven't you ever read the the book Breathers? There's you know zombies that are evolving and having babies. Mm. <laughs> yeah, what was up with the zombie baby well, and why did it glow? I mean, I think it's the alien thing, right? Why? Okay, that it could have been the trioxin. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I definitely found myself getting totally distracted by conspiracy theorying out, like when you started seeing the robot zombies, and then there was like that whole thing about like, what if we're caught in a time loop, and then yes. that body is wearing the same key around her neck, its neck as the the uh, I'm in love with you lady. Is this a time loop movie? Or is that just like a weird red herring? Kind of seemed like a red herring because it went nowhere. But I guess yep. a lot of that so. is just all set up for this prequel or sequel animated series. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah, so I guess we'll find I mean, out. I don't mind you planting some breadcrumbs, but the movie's got to stand on its own, too. Well, I mean, yeah. a million questions. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say in that case, just don't do the movie and do the series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do the animated series and just run so, it all together. But all in all, I think it's a very entertaining movie. It's a fun kind of popcorn blockbuster yeah. movie to watch. My other one complaint about it would be, and I don't know if this is a Zack Snyder thing because I haven't watched any of his movies probably since, I don't know, The Watchmen. But what the fuck is up with the depth of field shit that he does? Because yeah. almost every frame of this movie has such a shallow depth of field that mm-hmm. all you can see is the person right in front of the camera and everything else is completely blurry. Yeah, that's totally uh, intentional. A lot of Ugh. directors do that these days. It seems to be a popular thing, but it's usually sprinkled throughout. But this was basically the entire movie was like that. Yeah, there's a whole thing about yeah. how like his all of his camera tricks actually created all these problems with dead pixels in the movie. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people were like, "What's wrong with my TV?" Like including myself. I just think it's really a stupid technique to use. I think that sometimes in movies it can work well where you have one person 
up close and you're seeing them clearly and somebody's maybe approaching and you don't want to know who it is until they get right there. When it has plot significance, it makes sense to me. But doing the whole thing like that, it's hard on your eyes. It looks dumb. And I want to know what's happening. Like, I don't want to just look at blurry shit mm-hmm. for two hours, you know? Yeah. I can watch movies with my glasses right? on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rant over. Sorry. All right. No, it's fine. All right. No. So my last thing about that is just if you have not, if you liked Tignataro in this, and if you have not listened to her stand-up set called Hello, I Have Cancer, go do that. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Cool, 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 cool. So, Sarah, did you end up adding anything to your list? I am looking. I might be looking at it. Oh, yes. Okay. There's oh, something there's important something on that list. Oh, 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 yes, Sarah, the moment we've yeah. been waiting for. What have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like I said, I have been watching... Uh, the Amity uh-huh, movies, uh-huh, and uh-huh. Uh, you know the joy of subscribing to a, a number of grindhouse and VHS bootleg super micro budget movie groups on Facebook is you come across gems like this, and I use that. Word. You also use the word joy um, very uh, fluidly there too. That's what you were describing. <laughs> I watched the extremely low-budget film, The Amityville Vice. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 I think I'm going to have to, like, share this with you guys, because I, I put the disc oh. in, I bought it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I, put, I put the DVD in, it starts up, and it immediately starts with a woman masturbating with a, with a black vibrator. And Kat's like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Just doing my homework for the podcast, honey. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Rachel's making me. <laughs> it is a porn, if you will use that term lightly. Imagine one of those, you know, penthouse, it's not the whatever spoof porns that they do. Along with, like, trauma oh and run it through a meat processor, and then... Oh, <laughs> wow. I kid you not, the, the opening credits are just marker oh, on a paper oh bag. Oh my god. We need some screenshots, <laughs> damn it. There is a Good. puppet sex of scene. There is. A lot of oh, tattoos. Okay. <laughs> Oddly, some really good practical effects. <laughs> oh, <Okay. laughs> kind of gory, kind of kind of gory. Good fluid work is what you're saying. Yeah. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Got oh it. lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, 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 if you if you are, uh, if, I'm gonna say if puppets and porn don't turn you off from this movie, just a, a, a trigger warning that uh, there is some uh, religious iconography used in a very <laughs> sexual way. I like how you took that pause. <laughs> Does it have a plot? Okay. <laughs> sort of. Okay, so basically it starts off with this woman masturbating with this black vibrator, and then you just see this tip of a rifle like come through the door, and she gets shot. And it turns out that, kind of like the actual story, there's this guy who murders his family, and one of the haunted items from the house is a vibrator, and there's this team, this man and this woman, who have been trying to track <laughs> down this vibrator. It's like the last item that they need to track down. For, like, no other reason than, like, they need to track it down. There turns out that the uh, the, the murderer was released, released from 
from the mental hospital, and he's had the vibrator all along. And then there's these two girls that are, like, on their way to a garage. They, they stop at this garage sale, and one of them ends up buying the vibrator and becomes, like, possessed. Oh, my God. That's, That's a good place amazing. to buy a vibrator is at the garage sale. Larry, have right? you seen this one? Right? Oh, no. I was, I was going to ask, are, are the people at least pretty? If you're going to go through all this, are you looking at pretty people? They're, they're natural. <laughs> okay, okay. Full bush, got it. I mean, they're not unattractive. I mean, you know, like, like it, nobody's like hideously <laughs> deformed or anything. It's just, you know, they're not your I'm, typical I just... like, plastic-looking porn star. They're just, they're, they're natural. It's very, like, 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 think, think like the Suicide yes. Girls. Okay, that sounds hot. But, but like Trailer Park Suicide Girls. <laughs> gotcha. Sarah, I have to ask because I also wrote in way back in the day when you made Rachel do Velocipaster and Taming the T Rex. I think that was the combination. That was me. That was, me. Ariel. That was you. Okay. That was Ariel. So, what is the appeal in a world where there's so many movies you you, you bought the Amityville vibrator? What 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 is it that that you gave that movie the the time? I don't know, man. I, I, you know, honestly, I like weird, fun stuff, and I, I much rather watch something that is purposely uh-huh. goofy than something that is boring and pretentious as shit. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. Yeah. You know? So, how does this stack up to the Amityville Horror House? Wait, what? So, um, Larry, you have uh, more last episode. This is the second episode in a row where we got an Amityville porn review. So, oh, okay, sorry, I'm behind. This is a bit of a series. It may not be the last. In fact, okay, all right. So, listeners, those you, anybody out there, if you have them, please let me know. I like horror movie porn. Okay, I think they're hilarious. Okay, that is like the Friday the Thirteenth one where Jason's dick is so big that's why he drowns. Yes. I, you know, listeners, if you oh have my God, them, please hit up, hit please. up the Saudi girl's email. Let please. me know. Okay. Because I, if, if every single episode from now into infinity, she reviews a porn horror movie parody, yes. you will make me so happy. Yes. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you sarah for doing for taking this one for the team we appreciate, we appreciate your service yes. all right larry how would you like to follow that up oh, man, I, I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, so i um we have worked with shutter in the past to like screen stuff so mm-hmm. i actually got to watch two movies before they dropped on shutter one was called caveat it's like a this British... one i'm super interested in mm-hmm. yes uh so i won't spoil anything i will just say that i have a running problem with british horror like as a as like a group where like mm. i'm very intrigued and in the last 20 minutes it loses me we talked about this with ritual mm. rachel remember yeah yeah, yeah where it's yeah, like yeah. Yeah, it just loses me. But then the amusement park was, it's one of George Romero's lost films. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Super depressing. Oh, it my God. It looked super depressing. I thought I was like, I'm going to miss that one. Yeah, it's like, it's less than 60 minutes long, and it's basically about aging in America. And, like, they talk about how, like, the, the cast is all, like, volunteers of, like, like, like people of color, people who live in projects, people with, like, mental health issues. It's, it is honestly, it was one hour of depression. 
like it it's cool and then it sounds it, like it, all my other hours i don't want that <laughs> <laughs> right it's, <laughs> it, it, it's it's interesting because i think a lot of people don't really give george romero his due when it comes to how inclusive he was back in a time where that wasn't mm-hmm. the case yeah true yeah. um and it's just once again like i was just i was just very impressed especially because you really don't get a lot of like geneal- genealogy talk you know what i mean and like like the exclusion of old people and how we kind of toss people away yeah mm-hmm. and it was it was something there's a bumper car scene that really like drives the whole thing home within it so if you are in a good mood or you don't mind like sinking into like just depression like it's 60 minutes and it's on shutter like tuesday i think so there you go ariel yeah Sounds like you're in the jam <laughs> on, on, on a much lighter note uh I, we watch iron chef a lot nice i'm, I'm a huge bobby flay fan so we have been watching that. We have Discovery Plus. I watched the Friends reunion. I talked about that in your guys' Discord. No one else uh, seemed as enthused as me. Anyone else think I... that the Friends reunion was an episode where they were playing their characters? So I did. Okay, and I started I'm watching it's not just it. Me. And when they were sort of just walking around the studio, I was like, okay, they're going to do this, have sort of this reunion, and then we'll see an actual episode. And that's not what it was mm. at all. I ended up not watching much of it. Yeah. I never liked the uh, show. I never understood why it was so popular. I always found them just really annoying <laughs> and obnoxious. So. so I totally understand if it's not your cup of tea. It makes perfect sense to me why it wouldn't be everybody's. Mm-hmm. It's something I grew up with, so it's sort of a comfort show for me. I put it on exactly. you know, when I'm having a bad day. Um, so I was looking forward to having a new episode, mm. but I'm not, I was less interested in just watching them talk about the Yeah, show. a lot of it was cringy. Um that's what I was afraid of. J- James Corden is very hit or miss for me. Like yep. sometimes uh-huh. I like him and sometimes I can't stand him. And that happened a lot during this. Lady Gaga comes out and sings Smelly Cat with Phoebe. That was fantastic. That, that was okay. That I made the whole thing. That part then. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's absolutely worth it. Okay. But like that's Cedar Prozac. But then I've been meaning to watch the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion special oh. on okay. HBO. Oh and God. I actually grew up watching that. Like, of yeah, course, me too. Mm-hmm. Of course. Friends, I watched like when it got added to Netflix a few years ago. But Fresh mm. Prince, oh, like we okay. watched that like growing up. Like I have it on DVD. Yeah. Um, nice. That was a lot better. Like that. Oh, they, okay. they talked about like Will Smith, obviously his accountability with like the first Aunt Viv and everything that went down there. Yes. Like they mm. spent a lot of time, and I give Will Smith respect because he he took it on the chin for it and. That's surprising. That's that's really good. And yeah. then also, like, as a kid watching it, like, I I didn't really get the race stuff because I was young yeah. and I was just watching and it was funny and when it got melodramatic, like, I didn't understand it. But, like, when you go back and you watch, like, when Will Smith's dad abandons him again mm-hmm. or when yeah. Carlton doesn't understand that the cops really aren't his friends and just because he's rich and his dad has money, if it was just, like, yeah. they didn't have that, it would have much, like, I don't know. It's It was very cool and we actually started rewatching fresh print because it's on hbo too so fun it triggered that and then uh i saw someone wrote lol uh I... <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we, we were uh tired from like unpacking and stuff and we just wanted to throw something on to fall asleep too and we threw on how to lose a guy in 10 days it's uh-huh. probably <laughs> one of my top two favorite rom-coms it's like that really the proposal. oh oh Oh, yeah. okay. Oh. All right. Interesting. Twist yeah. on twist on twist. Yeah. <laughs> I just like her dog. 
I used to have it. Really? It was less problematic than I thought it might be because a lot of those older rom-coms definitely play on modern tropes and modern tropes don't age well. Especially now, which is not a bad thing. Um, But I think Kate Hudson is gorgeous and Matthew McConaughey is funny on screen. So watching those two play off each other was great. So I don't know. It's been a long time since I'd seen it. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it since it first came out. But yeah, that's what I, a bunch of other stuff, but for the most part, those are like the big fun things. Nice. And obviously the Polanski movies. So I really appreciated that. And it was definitely not what I thought it was going to be. Because I didn't, like when Shudder offers us stuff, I just say yes and I'll watch it. Um, So I wasn't aware of a lot of the stuff. I Mm -hmm. didn't know he was going to be like chained up. Like, but that's like in the trailer. Like that's like given away. So it's, it's interesting. And if you like British horror, I would say it's worth your time. And there are certainly a couple of moments in this movie that made me go, oh, shit. Like, not gory, not jump scary, just okay. some things they do with the camera that is good. Okay. So. Oh, this is definitely one of my highly anticipated movies. Me too, yeah. So I'm excited about yeah, that. So I, I I did like it. It is once again, it has the same kind of like I said, the ritual did the same thing for me. And it's just so so, so many times like they're doing so well and then it just gets weird in the last twenty minutes and it's like where do we get lost? Yeah. Gotcha. Gotta land the plane, my friend. Gotta land the plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, cool. So we've already talked about Army of the Dead. I also saw Spiral, the latest in the Saw series. I'm not going to go super in-depth with it because if you want to know my full thoughts, you're going to need to head over to Here's Johnny and subscribe to so you can hear our crossover episode. But I do have to ask you, though, because apparently I'm in the minority. Did did the gore bother you? I mean, I'm a delicate snowflake, so a fucking course okay, good. Well, well, everyone else was like, oh, Justin's like, it wasn't even that bad. I was like, what are you talking about? I had to turn away several times. I think was wow i think it was because it was much more realistic looking by the end of even in jigsaw it's the violence is still like bombastic and over the top Mm -hmm. you know 75 lawnmowers it's so you know Mm -hmm. ridiculous right that like maybe this felt more subtle in comparison but also by that point it was just like cgi a fest you know what i mean whereas this felt very practical like especially the wax thing the wax one and the finger one and then the subway one. Like <laughs> like there was some that didn't bug me, but the the, the tongue thing and the finger thing, it just the... Yeah. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I did watch that clip mm-hmm. that you posted of the first mm-hmm. few minutes of the movie. And that tongue thing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if you yeah. if you're there for the violence Oof. of Saw, I don't I'm yep. kinda surprised by people who don't think it's gruesome. I thought it was quite gruesome. That's what I thought. I was like, I'm not that soft. Like, like I get grossed out by the gore, but like I watched that and like, like I told you, Rachel, Devin like said she probably covered her face for like 30 minutes of the really? movie. Really, there's a pace to the movie as opposed to the last few where it's just like trap, 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 yes. trap, 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 trap. You know, flashbacks, side characters, so we can have more traps, trap, 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 traps. <laughs> and apparently, the most brutal of kill was cut out because it was going to push it to an NC-17. Yeah. Although I wonder. Yeah. Although. It was the it was the female cop. I you guarantee so? it because she disappeared. I, his part his partner. I was thinking it was O'Brien, bet. the guy that like that he ends up choking. 
Because he also just disappears. Ooh. That'd be... I didn't think about that. That would be a good one, too. I don't know. Like, we'll, like we're talking about this week, but I... This was a much-needed palate yeah. cleanse from what the Saw franchise started 100%. out at. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. I think you in particular, Ariel, are going to like this. Because this one has... It, it returns to the roots in that it becomes a little bit of a cop drama. But what mm-hmm. I liked okay. about this awesome. one is the politics and the motivations of the trap killer are yes. much more clear and much more contemporary. And Chris Rock is the best protagonist this franchise has had. And that is someone who loves uh, Carrie Yules. Yeah. Ooh, Wells. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I can never say his last name. But yeah, I think this one, I mean, this says a spoil. I think this is probably my, this is probably replaced three as my favorite. Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. me, me too. It's my All favorite. Right. Yeah, by far, Ariel, you need to watch it. You're going to like it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put it on my list. I'm going to watch it. All right. So the other thing I watched was a movie called Sun. Have any of you guys seen this? Mm-mm. No, no, but it looks really It's coming to Shutter cool. in July. No. So this one really kind of caught me by surprise. I heard, you know, there was like a little buzz around this movie. So I decided to give it a shot. And I was honestly pretty impressed by it. It starts with this young pregnant woman who's on the run. It's unexplained at first why, what's going on. And she's chased by a couple of like really creepy dudes that follow her into a diner. And she ends up getting away from them and giving birth to the baby in her car. And during the labor, she just keeps repeating, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. But then like as soon as she sees the baby, the oxytocin takes over. And we flash forward a few years later. She's kind of got this suburban life with this kid that she's raising and then he suddenly comes down with this unexplained illness and things start to get creepy and maybe a little culty as peeps from her past begin appearing places (laughs) Uh, it kind of has a little bit of a true detective vibe oh okay oh okay okay. i'm sold yeah (laughs) that's all i needed to hear but i would i would definitely check out son okay what's weird though is i was awesome. watching it and the mom who's very much a mom a young beautiful mom but i was like she looks familiar she looks familiar and she's the teenage daughter from the new halloween movies and i was like cognitive dissonance cognitive dissonance <laughs> oh, <it's that laughs> movie. okay oh, okay weird. i know what you're talking about now because i've seen okay. her post about it on instagram so i know what yes you're talking about i think now. i think you'll like it larry I, I think honestly all of you will be pretty into it so yeah that is what I have been watching. Normally we have our ad break here, but since you're already on the show, Larry, you are the ad. <laughs> uh, let's take a break and then we will get into our reviews of Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex West. And I'm Andrea Subisati, And we're from the Faculty of Horror podcast. And you're listening to the Zombie Girls podcast. All right, so let's talk about, we're going to start with Repulsion. But before we get into this, Sarah, can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy here is on the the Zombie Girls? If you haven't figured it out by now, our spoiler policy is we spoil everything. (laughs) So if you haven't seen these movies and you want to torture yourself with them, go for it. (laughs) Wow. Um, Pause it right now and get back to us. Otherwise... We are going to spoil 50 years. <laughs> right. I mean, we did give you 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, Repulsion. Um, I'm going to give you a little... Or no, 
Larry, you're in charge. Also, oh, man, I hope this is what I was supposed to do. This is what I prepped for. Yep, nope. You are you are correct. Give us a little background on this here movie film. Okay, so I had never heard of this before until Rachel recommended pairing it as another one of Polanski's horror films. You're getting a lot of blame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, it is a 1965 psychological horror film that was co-written and directed by Roman Polanski. It was his first English English language film and his second film overall. It debuted at the 1965 Cannes Film Festival and it garnered great acclaim then and even more so now because many consider it one of his greatest works. At the time, the only big award it was nominated for was a BAFTA for Best Cinematography, which it ended up losing. Catherine Denevu? How do I do that? Is that okay? Deneuve. 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 Uh, stars in the film. Many may know her from her role in Indochine. She came out in nineteen ninety two. She was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role, but she lost that to Emma Thompson. Hmm. Um, the film was shot on a budget of sixty five. Yeah, <laughs> we all know her from the. Hunger we all know her making out with Susan Sarandon in the Hunger. Oh, okay. <laughs> the film was shot on a budget of sixty five hundred pounds, and it grossed over three million dollars at the box office. I don't know why they gave it that way, but that's what I have. So I'm not sure what that conversion is either way. It is, <laughs> okay, it is the first film in Polanski's Apartment trilogy. It was followed by Rosemary's Baby, which we will discuss later. And then the final film is The Tenant, which I know nothing about outside of that. Apparently it fits this theme of an apartment setting. Well, I think he's the main character in that oh, one. Oh, well, how, maybe... how good for him. Oh. <laughs> And that was all I have. I kept a lot of the um, Polanski stuff held back for later on. I figured we can discuss the films first, and then we can dive into him. (laughs) Okay. Sounds great. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about Repulsion. Matilda, what's the synopsis for this movie? All right. So Carol Ledoux, who's played by Deneuve, is a young Belgian manicurist who lives in a London apartment with her sister Helen. She's phobic about men and somewhat dissociative, and she becomes especially disturbed by Helen's sexual relationship with a married man. When Helen and her boyfriend leave for Italy, Carol is alone in the apartment, and she experiences a series of disturbing and violent visions. Uh, My one-sentence synopsis of this movie is, uh, this little lady is acting crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. I mean, if men were pinching my face like I'm an infant, I'd probably oh be pretty fucking crazy, too. <laughs> the guy was so pinchy. Yeah. Like the wife said, the first time he reached for my <laughs> plate, <it was> like, <laughs> we can have the same thing. I go near her plate. I can <laughs> All right. Let's see. I mean, do you want to start this off? Sarah, or do you want to get annoyed with other opinions first? <laughs> there was a lot to say about trauma in mm-hmm. this, especially because she keeps having nightmares mm-hmm. of being raped when she's when yeah. she's alone. I mean, so obviously there was some sort of trauma beforehand. Quite honestly, I like this movie better when it was done like 15 years later as Miss Haven't 45. I could definitely see influences on some of my uh, some other films that mm-hmm. I really enjoy, like you know, like uh, the infant in Eraserhead, mm-hmm. and uh, the scene with all the hands coming out of the walls. That's mm-hmm. uh, very um, mm-hmm. Doctor Caligari. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
would have been a lot more interesting in color. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Well, there's some things that it's like, even even with the like the pristine Criterion edition, it's still hard to tell or like to get the detail huh. or see the uh, the contrast because it is in black and white. Like, I couldn't tell what the hell she was eating. It wasn't until he said, it'd be just because it was just this like weird mush on her plate. Just little things like like that, that color would have definitely given it okay, more definition. Fair enough. Um, yeah. But, I mean, somebody kicks in my door because they just want to talk to me. You, you are getting a, you're getting a candle. <laughs> just, uh, fair, fair. Uh, you know, she's totally justified in things that she did. I'd like to see this redone. I'd like to see this film remade. Because I think there is definitely an exploration of trauma mm -hmm. in it. And the way somebody with that trauma reacts to triggering mm -hmm. situations. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see this movie and that discussion done better with okay. a better set of hands. Fair, fair. How about you, Ariel? What did, what did you think of this? So I think I actually like this a lot more than Sarah did. And I really disagree with the color thing. And that might be just a, a personal taste thing. But I thought... The black and white was beautiful. It's crisp and it's clean and there's so much contrast between light and dark. I thought it was beautiful to look at. I thought that the way that this film is shot with so many close-ups of her face and where, where you're just following her around the whole time, it really allows you as an audience member to get into her head and put you in her state of mind so that even though you don't know exactly what happened to her that maybe led her to this place, what kind of trauma she experienced, like Sarah was saying, you get to slowly over the course of the runtime understand what it's like to be her and feel her feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I found that to be really effective. I think that all of the surreal expressionistic stuff that happens in her apartment is really interesting and has a lot of meaning towards the themes of the movie. And I mean, the hands and mm -hmm. coming out of the walls were really cool, as well as, you know, as her psyche's breaking down, the apartment is literally coming apart. There are cracks in the wall that keep appearing. I thought that was really cool. It kind of reminded me of, in the movie May, how the glass case keeps of, of her doll keeps breaking. Mm. Oh, yeah. Good her point. Psychic, mm -hmm. her goes. Yeah, I was thinking about the lighthouse a lot when I was watching this yep. movie. Yep, me too. You too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how yeah. Like, you can tell a lot about her interiority based on her surroundings. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. That's so interesting. I was thinking about Mother. Mother? Oh, oh that's another good that example. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mother's yeah. another great yeah. example. Yeah, because the apartment starts out as sort of beautiful and sun-filled, and it gets darker and dingier and falls apart more and more over the course of the movie. So I really enjoyed that. I will say mm -hmm. it is the first two acts of this movie are really slowly paced. Mm -hmm. So if you're not on board for just sort of being in her headspace and experiencing what she's experiencing and go along with the kind of languid, dreamy pacing of it, you might be turned off by the movie. But I found her to be absorbing mm -hmm. so ultimately i ended up liking it more than i thought i would in the beginning yeah because I'm, I'm kind of there with you so i like the black and white but the movie at least like you said the first two thirds is almost painfully slow and if you aren't yeah willing to like kind of go on that journey because that's what i expected rosemary's baby to be like so we'll talk about that later but so i was like kind of mentally prepared for that but i am definitely more in line with what you're saying than what maybe what sarah was saying i 
And something that's really taking me aback, and maybe y'all think differently, but I was kind of surprised at how agency is the absolute wrong word. How much with Carol, what's happening to her is just like, like her actions are justified. Like there, no one is making excuses for these guys who suck, like the landlord or the creepy ass dude who's into her. Like no one's making excuses. Like we all see what's happening. It's like, okay, like we get why you're doing it. Like, and I, yeah, absolutely. I think the camera lens is showing us her experience yeah. of these things and it's not sort of making what these men do forgivable. Yeah. We're supposed to understand from her perspective and just from perspective in general that this is not okay. And that really surprised me because I was yeah, not ready for that. Oh, okay. Like I, I didn't, like, again, because I've never seen a Polanski movie and what I know about him, we're going to talk about later, yeah. right? I can see how that would color what you thought he might. So I was just movie. <laughs> very surprised, like pleasantly yeah. so, because it made it a much easier pill to swallow. Cause like, Again, like I think back to like Hitchcock, right? Hitchcock makes his ladies, his lead ladies, awful, like unbearable, dumb, all that kind of stuff, right? But mm. Carol in this movie, like she's definitely has like a trauma filled past, and the actions that she takes to defend herself or reacting to the reality as she sees it, like it all makes sense. Like none of it is like out of left field, and the guys, especially the landlord, he was discussing, like they all get what's coming to him. Mm-hmm. I was just surprised it took us so long. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, how about you, Tilly? What did you think of this movie? I was pretty. I have not seen this movie before. Okay. This watch was and this a first watch for everybody? Yes, I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And you know, knowing, I don't think I've ever seen a Polanski movie without knowing about Roman Polanski ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that okay. definitely oh, colors okay. my okay understanding of what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, so I found this, Larry, kind of like you're saying, like surprisingly empathic toward her experience. Yeah. And we can talk about this later, but that kind of makes it worse Mm -hmm. for me in a certain way because it seems like he knows what the terror might feel like on the other end. Yes. (laughs) I see so many parallels between this, and we'll talk about it with Rosemary's Baby too, but like. I think Darren Aronofsky watched a lot of Roman yeah. Polanski. Oh, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, we yeah, are yeah, going yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah, him yeah, a little yeah. later. Don't you worry. Yeah, there's a kind of like um, intense empathy for a central female character while putting her through a terrible ordeal. Mm-hmm. I was really into it when it got a little more surreal with the cracks in the walls. Yes. I was really into that potato horror. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was really about yes. the potato horror, less about the meat horror, because I think that's been kind of done to that. See, that's one of those things that I wish it was in color, because it wasn't until the very end that I was like, oh, yeah. oh I was so into the okay. potato horror. I was into it. I just couldn't figure out what it was. <laughs> and then it was then like at the last shot of it. I'm like, oh, oh, potatoes. Yeah. And then I there was this interesting thing that. I couldn't tell if Polanski was meaning to do or not, but the relationship with the man who thinks he's her boyfriend, he's like, what relationship does that guy imagine he has with right? her? Like, there is she can't nothing... even look at yeah. him or speak to him. And... She wants nothing to do with him. Right. It, which kind of puts it in like erotomania territory, right? Like it's kind of like, like people imagine that they have a relationship with a celebrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, there's nothing there. 
right? She is the lead character in Twilight. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing there. And it goes back um, to what you said, too, about how, like, knowing Polanski's upcoming history, right, we're going to discuss, like, yeah, he makes that guy look like a creep. Like, I don't know how Mm -hmm. you watch this movie and think in any way that she has been responsive to his advances. Like, and that was, like, that's probably my biggest takeaway from this movie in particular is, like, she is a sympathetic lead with a lot going on behind her and the men around her who she's taking out the violence on, right, all have it coming. And he shows it. And that, I was just not ready for it. I wasn't. Yeah. And he shows it as reasonable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Or at like, least yes. <laughs> at least from our current perspective, right? Like I don't know if he thinks he's showing it as reasonable actually. Mm-hmm. Or if he thinks he's showing a hysteria yeah. process. Yeah. It's a good point. From our from where I'm watching it, I liked it. I mean, I kind of feel like Rosemary's baby pushes it into the former category. You know yeah. what I mean? I think the the choosing of that project kind of speaks to he maybe gets it a little bit better than you would think based on his own actions. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do think he's actually exploring those ideas. And we'll get into that when we get into Rosemary's. Mm-hmm. I'm trying my best to not hop into that one. <laughs> I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. I promise. We're almost there. We're almost there. Yeah, so those were, those were my thoughts about it. Yeah, definitely. I, you guys have covered a lot of what I, you know, I agree with just about everything you were saying. I was curious, actually, if when you were doing the research, Larry, into the background of this movie, do you know that if, if it was shot in black and white out of necessity or by choice? I did not find that. I can do a really quick look while you're talking, though. Give me two seconds. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, because I also liked the black and white, because especially things like the hallways, I don't know if it would have worked with the the kind of special effects that they had at that time. Like, I wonder if color would have kind of broken that illusion a little bit more. So instead, we just get this play of light and shadows and groping and this hellscape that even though there are kind of rudimentary special effects happening there, I felt to be very effective. I also really appreciated all of the, the I don't know if they were camera lens tricks or different sets, but the way that they use the scale of the rooms, mm-hmm. depending on if the gaze was objective or subjective, mm-hmm. whenever it was subjective, all of a sudden the rooms were out of scale. They were much bigger, much yeah. deeper, more empty. And then they would become very small and claustrophobic when there was another person inside them. To hop um, in very quickly, Rachel, uh, at least on Wikipedia, again, doing it quick, it doesn't say either way, but there is a paragraph talking about how Polanski on the set for this movie was over the top meticulous in his shots, so much so that oh, yeah. he drove the budget up more than what it needed to be. And mm-hmm. uh, he shot he shot a frame that was just of uh, Deneuve's hand 27 times. Oh wow! Just to we'll, get, we'll talk about that when we get into Rosemary's Baby. Yes. Oh, and then one <laughs> one more quick thought. Uh, apparently, Polanski and Yvian Furneaux, uh, I think that was Carol's sister. Uh, Polanski mm-hmm. treated her terribly. He said, and I quote: "I know she's a nice girl. She's too bloody nice. She's supposedly playing a bitch every day. I have to make her into a bitch." Great. So there you That's go. Great. This is what we keep in mind that Polanski sucks. The art versus the artist conversation. Remember that little footnote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, There were a lot of really great visual, like standout visual moments in this. One thing, it's a little detail, but I really loved when 
she drops the body of Colin into the bathtub and you just see all the blood pour out. Yes. 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 That's a great moment. And I, yeah. again, it's another moment where I liked the black and white because the contrast of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Also between the violence and the portrayals of both consensual and non-consensual sex in this movie, you, even 50 years later, you can feel how boundary pushing and transgressive this movie is. Mm-hmm. For sure. So a lot of the things that Polanski did has been done since, some a lot better, but you can see why he is a point of interest on the roadmap of film history. So that is something I definitely want to talk about because like you mentioned, Rachel, and like everybody's mentioned, like there we have seen newer horror films that definitely pulled inspiration from this, even if we didn't For know sure. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, watching The Stylist this week and then, and then watching this, I was like, Yes. Oh. I thought the exact same thing, Rachel. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of DNA. There is a lot DNA of DNA between yes. these movies. But yes, go ahead, Larry. No, Sorry. no, it's totally good. I was it's it's very interesting because with Hitchcock, we know a lot of his stuff, right? The bomb under the table stuff. Like, like we know how he revolutionized horror. And mm-hmm. it was interesting to me to see things both in Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby that and horror movies I, I know now today I really like. And it's interesting how you don't really hear that conversation around him. Because I'd never even heard of Repulsion, Rachel, until you brought it up. And it was just shocking that one of my favorite movies two years ago, I guess now, The Lighthouse, mm-hmm. pulled a lot from this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. It's like the dude version. Yes. For sure. And I was just, it, it was very different because, like I said, with Hitchcock, you you know it right like you know how he changed cinematography and horror in general but this one i was surprised at how low-key it was but how impactful it is yeah definitely so the end of the movie we have her being carried out by michael yeah who has been both she's been like both very drawn to and repulsed by Mm -hmm. throughout the entire film like at first she's horrified by the extremely freudian (laughs) Uh, invasion of his toothbrush and razor in her cup i was like all right (laughs) metaphor much but later we see her smelling his clothes and then lovely lovingly ironing them what do you how do you guys feel about the end of her kind of ending up in his arms it was not a moment of uh, intense subjectivity for that character. Can I say that? That's fair. Um, That's fair. <laughs> not a, uh, yeah. Not a fan? No, okay. I was like, there it is, right? Whereas yeah. it, originally knowing what I know about Polanski, yeah. I was like, ooh, this is better than I thought. And then I was like, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that that also kind of spends the point where like, yes, Polanski is very progressive and a lot more liberal minded in this film than I mean, hell I'm a huge Audrey fan, but even those kind of movies at this time were definitely more male centric, but then it once again, just falls back into that. Right. At least that was what I was like. I was like, like you said, like, Oh, well, here we go. We, we got there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the way he's holding her is very yeah. infantilizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. The sexy baby of this movie. <laughs> oh my God. We're yeah. going to have to talk about him and sexy baby. <laughs> generally yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so okay then obviously there is the final shot of the movie where we get the close-up of her photo yes and some people feel that this is evidence of like a sexual trauma past what do you guys think what was your interpretation 
I agree. Is it the same or? That, that, that's, 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 that's what I got. I agree. I mean, she looks haunted yeah. in that photo. So yeah. I think it makes sense. And yeah. if you yeah. follow her, yeah. she's like the line of sight is yes. at a man mm-hmm. who exactly. presumably is her father. Is her father. Yeah. 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 I actually went back and rewatched it after like reading into the movie, Rachel, when you asked me to do it. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of the stuff was talking about that. And I, I fully buy into it, which again makes yeah. what we're about to talk about again just all the more fucking worse. <laughs> but sincerely, like, yeah. it, it's like, like that's been the big thing for me, especially after Rosemary's Baby was just like, I don't know. It it's really gross because I think you can trace a line to what like art in real life. You know what I mean? And because like this movie, I like less than Rosemary's Baby. I enjoyed it, especially because I can kind of see like the roots or whatever. I always enjoy seeing mm-hmm. where stuff I like now came from. Mm-hmm. But my God, like there's some gross subtlety to this and when you put it into like real world context it makes your skin crawl yeah mm-hmm. can we talk I, I was i know we we're just trying to wrap up but i realized that there's something i didn't ask you guys about which uh-huh. is something we talk a lot about whenever there's like sexual assault or sexual violence in a movie how do you feel about the depiction of the, the rape fantasy scene so i'll go as a guy first um you're like okay. hot no i'm just kidding <laughs> and I, I am notoriously approved on, on here's Johnny. right right, right. that's just kind of my thing um i thought it was powerful i thought it was done non-exploitively especially in comparison to like last house on the left which is not the same year but around this kind of time frame um and then not as grimy yeah sure. and then something yeah. that i appreciated and i thought made it more impactful was the there was no sound mm. like, like the absence of a score the absence of really like, it was like it was like folk you know what i mean like it, there was like there was like sound but it wasn't like a score or like any kind of elevating music it was more just like her focused on what was happening in her head or even mm. in real life so i don't know i i i, I don't like it i'm not a fan of it but it was by <laughs> far not the most uncomfortable i've had to sit through that's fair the ambiguity of it is where I keep drawing, coming back to it. On one hand, I do think there's value in ambiguity, but I don't know that I trust Blansky to do it. Like the thing about her putting on lipstick mm-hmm. before getting into bed to wait the like the encounter, stuff like that gets into weird places for me. And so that's why I kind of want to get your guys' input. What, what do you what did you think about it, Matilda? I had a harder time with it, especially with kind of like some places of where the camera was. Yeah. Uh, Did not seem to be helping us understand her perspective, right? Like we've talked about, like there's the the thing about how the accused scene was Uh filmed, that people were really freaked out about it because it was one of the first scenes that was filmed from the point of view of the person that was being attacked. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is not that. Yeah, so this didn't feel like that to me right yet this movie feels you all know the history of sigmund freud who kind of like said i think a lot of these symptoms in women are due to sexual assault yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then because he was treating so many of his friends kids recanted that theory Mm -hmm. and said that this was a fantasy oh interesting this movie feels a little like that Mm -hmm. in its ambiguity Mm -hmm. And Polanski really wants you to see her as, like, extremely fuckable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. the fact that most of this movie she's in, like, a see-through 
negligee and there's like you have every single guy comment on it too every single guy has Mm -hmm. to comment about it lots of Mm -hmm. backlighting (laughs) lots of very graphic backlighting (laughs) i mean i think we found the um director for the my sweet audrina no. Oh, wow. oh my <laughs> god i had not even gone there no i mean yeah yeah you're, you know you're, you're so not wrong i want to throw up yeah that's what i mean <laughs> right that's what i mean all right any other thoughts before we move on to rosemary's baby i, li- I liked it <laughs> I-, I-, I liked it but i definitely think it is a much more slow burn than what we're about to get okay yeah definitely yeah i liked it quite a bit more than i expected to mm-hmm. me too although mm-hmm. i found it impossible not to think about rowan polanski the entire time yep yeah whereas i found myself forgetting about him a little bit in the next movie but we'll get there Agreed. okay so rosemary's baby <laughs> <laughs> all right i got the background for this one and you guys it there's so much trivia about this i'm gonna try to trim it down but aside from Star Wars, I sort of got this like the most documented freaking movie out there. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. It's insane. It's insane. So, okay. So this was released in 1968. The screenplay was written by uh, Roman Polanski based on the 1967 novel by Ira Levin. Side note, Levin also wrote Stepford Wise. That makes sense. <laughs> the movie I keep trying yeah, we well, to we, see. We need to watch it. I think we definitely need to watch it. Mm-hmm. The movie made $33.4 million on a $3.2 million budget. So, pretty good. <laughs> okay, so it, it earned almost universal acclaim from horror films and won numerous uh, nominations. And it is considered to be a hallmark of our favorite genre, art horror. Mm-hmm. And it has been selected for preservation in the National Film Registry in the Library of Congress as de- and, and is deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So... Tell me about cancel culture again. I want to hear all about cancel culture. (laughs) All right. So here's a little background. William Castle, the producer of the movie, pitched Paramount on buying the movie rights before the novel had even been published. If his name sounds familiar, that's because William Castle is famous for making all of those schlocky movies in the 50s, like House on Haunted Hill. Oh, they're not schlocky. I mean, it's not a bad thing. But he did things like smell vision and Emergle. The Tingler. The Tingler. The thing you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Those, are, those are delightful schlock. But they are schlock, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny that like this famous art house horror film, the person who was like, I need to make this movie was, you know, the Tingler guy. <laughs> I found that I was very taken aback during the opening credits. And I saw that. I was like, really? Right? Really? Yep. Okay. I think he even shows up in the movie. Really? Like he has a, yeah, he's, I think he's the guy who's standing outside the phone booth. Oh. Okay. When she's inside the phone booth. So Polanski was picked by Paramount executive to direct the film over William Castle, who apparently wanted to direct it himself. Would have been a very different movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he was a fan of all the stuff that that plans he was doing in europe mm-hmm. and so they gave him the book and he basically completed the 272 page screenplay in about three weeks wow so he's prolific at a lot of things all right so <laughs> he closely modeled it after the original novel and incorporated large sections of the actual dialogue from the novel and to this day the the 
I mean, I don't know if he's still alive, but if he were still alive to this day, the author of the book says that this is the most faithful adaptation of a book in history. Loves it. Very happy with how it turned out. So Polanski did not initially want to cast Mia Farrow in the role of Rosemary. He wanted it to be his fiance, Sharon Tate. Ooh. Oh, okay. I, I have that coming up in my notes Ooh. too. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Patty Duke and Goldie Hawn were also considered for the role. Huh. Yikes. Right? Good call. <laughs> Good call <Yes>. ball casting. <laughs> yes. So Guy Woodhouse was played by John Cassavetes, but he was also not the first choice. Robert Redford was the original first choice to play. No. Really? I actually mm. think he would have been perfect. You think? Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess because you wouldn't have suspected. Right? Yeah. And he was, I mean, like, everyone's like, he's so handsome. And of course he's an yeah. actor. And, uh, you know, like. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I don't know about John Cassavetes. <laughs> All right. So, but he declined the role. They looked at Jack Nicholson for a while, but he was eventually rejected because he appeared too sinister. Yeah, yeah. it's too obvious. Yeah. Nobody yeah. would have, for yeah. a minute, not think he was in on it. Uh, Warren Beatty also turned the role, and Burt Reynolds had a screen test. <laughs> no. Burt Reynolds would have been yes. interesting. Burt Reynolds would have been right? interesting casting. Only if they could work in that, like, you know, bearskin rug <laughs> moment. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Where he's wearing puppies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so the film has a sequel of sorts in the form of a 1976 made-for-TV movie called Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby, which focused on an adult Adrian and starred Patty Duke as Rosemary, a role she was originally considered for, while Ruth Gordon, who won an Academy Award for her role as Mrs. Cassavette, um, and is my new style icon, <laughs> um, replies, rep reprised her role as Minnie Cassavette. The TV movie isn't connected to Levin's sequel, Son of Rosemary, which I guess is also about him as an adult. And it was directed by the uh, editor of Rosemary's Baby. The, there was almost a theatrical remake considered in 2008, but was never made. Platinum Dunes founders Michael Bay, Brad Fuller, and Andrew Form were attached to produce. Oh, I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> but there was a four-part miniseries released in 2014 starring Zoe Saldana as Rosemary, and it sucks. And there is an unofficial sequel of the movie, which we have all seen. What? Okay. It's the short Her Only Living Son from the 2017 anthology XX. Oh. It's the Karen Kusama short oh. that ends oh, the movie. Yeah. It's meant oh, to be a sequel to yeah. Interesting. Wait a minute. Is that the is that the one where it's his it's his sixteenth yes. birthday or yeah. birthday or whatever? Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm right, gonna have to rewatch that yeah, now. Too. You guys want to hear some trivia about this movie? Sure. Okay, sure. Okay, all right. So the original cut of this film was over four hours long. Sarah, I can definitely see it. <laughs> I can definitely see it, dude. You know, two <laughs> yes. pushing it, but it was edited down to two hours seventeen minutes before release. Holy shit! Sounds like uh, that's cutting it close. Space shining director. Why well, can't think of his name right now? Thank you, Kubrick. Rick. Yep. Yes. Kubrick. Polanski would reportedly shoot up to 50 takes of even the most basic shot. The scene where the devil impregnates Rosemary reportedly went on for hours sure and required the actor playing him to grind against Amia Farrell most of that time. That makes sense. 
This is also the feature film of Charles Grodin, R.I.P., who died last week, who played Dr. Hill, Rosemary's original doctor, and who really disappointed me in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really disappointed me. The lullaby at the beginning and, of, and end of this movie was sung by Mia Farrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. And during that New Year's Eve party where she's scarfing on the raw liver, yes. Rosemary sees herself doing it in a... Reflection of the toaster, which is a callback to Repulsion when Carol is looking at herself oh. with the tea kettle. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Also, Pharaoh actually ate the raw liver just by being a vegetarian at the time. Jesus. Yep. In the novel, Rosemary names the baby Andrew Woodhouse and decides to mother Andrew, but also report everything to the Vatican. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I won't lie. I, after what you said about the book and how faithful an adaptation is, I am curious to read it. I am mm-hmm. too. I am mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vidal Sassoon. Remember, she gets her haircut in the movie by Vidal Sassoon. He has a title credit, which yes, is hilarious. He actually cut her hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she says it like five times in the movie. So yep, I don't know if was... this is the right time to talk about it. But why did that happen, and why was it such a big deal? Like it seemed very strange. Like it was like the one scene about her cutting her hair, and then there was a like, drop. Like, was that supposed to be tied to... Well, I mean, I, she took a little initiative and had some agency and cut her hair, and then and she And then was... everybody makes comments. Is that what I was supposed to... Like, I, I didn't know. Like, that yeah. was just something... And also, she no longer looks like a little baby doll anymore. Yep. Okay. She's punished for making a decision. Okay. And okay. for making one that makes her look like a woman instead of a child. Okay. The rest yep. of the time, she's in... I mean, she dresses how I dress as the like a child, but <laughs> in my case, it's an empowered choice that comes out of... <laughs> I have things to say about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll get into that. Okay, yeah, right. I, I just um, didn't know. That was... A, like one of my big like questions about it so okay gotcha. yeah 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 because because she's like i got my hair cut by vl so yeah. soon and guys like and then, and then it's dropped and like it's, it's that one scene that? and then it's but like, it's no. not because yeah. he makes a comment again later and so does somebody else one of the neighbors i think yeah but it's, it's yeah, like, it's like that one few, like it gets mentioned yeah. a couple of times like that 15 minute segment right after she did it but like i didn't know if there was like yeah. if it was tied to like satan's baby or whatever or you call no i think it's it. just no i think it's just showing you clearly okay. how she's treated for making okay, a choice cool. and i think yeah. it's also kind of a hairstyle that signifies in the same way the bob did in the 20s mm-hmm. this kind of modern woman okay. haircut yes. yeah right and so it's this more liberated okay. haircut my mr matilda's currently reading the stand it's a liber haircut <sighs> Oh, God. (laughs) So, in a deleted scene, Rosemary attends an off-Broadway play and runs into Joan Crawford. Oh, my God. Are you serious? (laughs) I want to see that. And last, there's more, but this is the last one I want to talk about, which is in the scene where Rosemary wanders into traffic, it was not staged. It was filmed in actual traffic with Polanski following Farrell with a handheld camera. Wow. And said, because of her pregnancy padding, no one would hit her. That no one's going to hit a pregnant woman. Wow. Yeah. So that's why she's very stopped and starty and people are yelling at her because she's walking into actual fucking traffic. Damn. I am now seeing like Ooh. a through line from Polanski to Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right? That's what I was just thinking. All I was thinking about was Uma Thurman in the car. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. mm. Okay. Yep. That is it for my background. Sorry, I know that was very long, but there's a no, lot. No, that was great. I could That's have great. kept going. There's so much shit about this movie. Yeah, it's that was not even funny. Thank you. Yeah. I highly recommend just going through the trivia section yeah. in, uh, in IMDb because there is a lot there. Maybe you didn't actually cheat during uh, 
trivia night. You just read all the Wikipedia pages, so you know. Bam! Bam! <laughs> I also just got super lucky with my questions. <laughs> all right, Matilda, give us a synopsis of Rosemary Baby. All right, so like you said, this is 1968, directed by Polanski, of course, and starring Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, and Sidney Blackmer. I mean, there's no way he's not in an actual coven, right? With a name like that. <laughs> <laughs> Young Rosemary Woodhouse and her husband Guy move into a beautifully opulent and historic apartment building in New York City. Shortly after renting the place, they learn that the building has an unsavory and violent history. Their intrusively friendly elderly neighbors, the Castavets, take an interest in the young couple, especially when Rosemary becomes pregnant. During her pregnancy, she begins to suspect that there is a nefarious plot involving her husband and the neighbors. My one-sentence synopsis of this movie, this little lady is acting crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Larry, this time let's start with you. What did you think of this movie? So this has been on my list for a long time, mainly because I like art house horror. I knew Mm -hmm. that this is one of those movies i know the ending because it's always on those lists of like great horror movie moments or whatever but by the time i became aware of it and started realizing i like art house horror i knew about polanski so i backed off right i loved this movie and it's a reason why i was happy that i didn't feel the same way about repulsion because the last thing i wanted was to like fanboy out on this well well, feel compelled to go through polanski's filmography you know what i mean yeah yeah um although chinatown's pretty fucking good is it it's well i I want to see the pianist i I like adrian i've always wanted to watch the pianist but i haven't yeah but anyway i was taken aback by how upfront this movie was everyone around her sucks and if they don't suck they're gonna die that mm-hmm. really surprised me. Like finding out from jump, knowing that guy was a douchebag and sold her out, and like, it was so surprising to me because I was not ready for that. And it goes back to this yeah. place where I'm at with these two movies. It really seems like Polanski was like super liberal at, for his time, like wanting to show how yeah. shitty society was to these women. And I don't know. It it was weird. I, I, I love the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I thought Mia Farrow was just astounding throughout it all. I don't know. I, I really liked it. I liked the whole thing. That's great. Okay. All right. And we, we we can get into more. I'm just giving like my, my, my broad strokes. Overall, yeah. I thought that this was I understand why it's in the top of people's horror movies of all time list. Because knowing that there is some shady shit going on from jump made this movie so much more uncomfortable throughout because i thought it was going to be sat on i thought we were going to be like big hints at it but nothing full like full in your face but immediately and i knew the moment she went to dr hill's office that she was going to get screwed over the moment she went there i knew it because everybody sucks and yep (laughs) I, i don't know i was i was very impressed i didn't realize how much nudity was going to be during the rape scene I didn't like, well, let me rephrase that. I liked how she pretty much called him out for raping her mm-hmm. and then dropped it. <laughs> like, I remember Devin looked at me and she's like, yeah, that would never happen. And you'd be going to jail. 
And I was like, don't worry, <laughs> it would never happen. You wouldn't because have I would never do that. Yeah. You wouldn't have. Also, marital rape have. was not against the law when this no, movie was. No, it's just, no, it's just it wasn't. gross. It wasn't it a thing. You... And, 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 just, mm-hmm. and just the way he blows it off is like she wakes up and she looks back at her yeah. arm. She realizes her arm hurts. And he's like, yeah, yeah don't start with I know. me already. And it's like, it. what the f- I don't, This whole time I was like, you suck and you suck. And like, it was just constant. And it's like Rosemary knows. Like she knows something is going on. Yeah. And she's getting more and more informed and she's getting gaslit throughout the whole damn thing. And the part to me like my biggest question with this movie what the fuck happened to her friends she had a group of I friends mean, what she's being isolated yeah, she's, she's being told being, she can't leave yeah. her apartment that she should only be interacting with the people that are I, right I, I guess there. they meant like when she got out of there instead of dr mm-hmm. hill why wouldn't she have gone to one of her girlfriends mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the, yeah, that that kind of surprised me like why, why would she turn mm-hmm. to a male figure when male figures have been screwing her over or dying when yeah. like she it's been established she has these close group of girlfriends who will speak their mind it, 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 i mean i think yeah. she's pretty close to going into labor yeah so she makes a tactical medical error okay but that that was like my big question is like there are people who will protect you or who we think would protect you right like why wouldn't you turn mm-hmm. to them when men have been failing you up and down yeah um, i definitely see what you're saying but i think it's what rachel was saying she's close to delivering and I think that she's living in a patriarchal oh, society yeah. Yeah. where she's been taught that these authority figures can be trusted mm-hmm. and that that guy who can't be is just a lone wolf. He's a bad apple, yep. right? And so do I don't think she ever questions. Why do people call yeah, the cops now? Exactly. Because you've been socialized to, to believe that that's a safe place to go, that they will protect you. Yeah. So you... And I think it's the same thing in this like highly patriarchal situation. I also yeah. think that you see the friends protect her at the party, but I think the sphere that those women can control is the kitchen, literally the kitchen. Yeah, okay. and it's not the hospital mm-hmm. or the right. Great That's a very That's a good point. you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. She needed to get a dude on her side, essentially. Okay, that mm-hmm. makes that makes it a lot more easier as well. But yeah, like overall, I I really thought that this movie was brilliant. I'm really appreciative that it was in your face. Like there is something going on. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, yeah. the audience know that with Rosemary. And so like, we're kind of getting gaslit along the way too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think, yeah, to me, I, and I'm Sarah, I'm going to save you for the end because I'm going to, we're all going to freak out about this movie and then we're going to let you tell us why we're all <laughs> fully bullshit. So to me, I also kind of took this as a very unflinching critique of gender roles and patriarchal systems. Mm-hmm. If you yep. feel disgust at the male characters and frustration and disappointment in Rosemary, I think that that's extremely intentional. Not that I don't think it's totally representative of what life was like then, but I think it's worth remembering that this is a book based on the author of Ford's Wives. Yeah. And so it can make for a frustrating watch, but I also think that there's something very intentional about that behind it. Yeah. And because Mia Farrow is such a compelling actor, even in your frustration, I, I couldn't help but feel very empathetic and sympathetic for her. Yeah. yeah I, and I do think that this movie really shows how Polanski has continued to grow as a filmmaker. You can see he has developed his style and you can you can recognize it from from repulsion, I keep wanting to say repression. I mean, same diff. From repulsion to to this, I think that he's become more confident in his style. In this, he is terrible because it's him, but he is intimate to the edge of violation with his camera. Yes, his gaze wavers between voyeuristic and also aggressive mm-hmm. subjectivity. 
non-consensual subjectivity. He seems drawn to these stories about kind of impenetrable women. Mm -hmm. And then he pushes them to unveil themselves in his, in his film. Yeah. He pushes them to a breaking point to allow you to see what's underneath in different things. But both of them have very much a wall that makes them a little bit mysterious, a little bit shallow maybe, but he pushes them to open up. And as a viewer, that's gripping. That is what we want, right? We want to know more. We want to see more. We want to understand more. Yeah. And Polanski seems to both share and understand that. His gaze is is both compelling and deeply unsettling. Mm -hmm. But that also kind of makes it perfect for horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have more to say, but I'll let somebody else speak. But totally, you go. You go. So this wasn't a first watch for me. And... I feel like, you know, if repulsion is about the dangers of desire, uh -huh. this is a really interesting story about the dangers of paternalism. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a really interesting critique of paternalism. And so it makes a lot of sense to me that it's Ira Levin who could critique also kind of suburban culture. Yeah. I think Ira Levin's lane is kind of critiquing the making horrifying the, the regular mm -hmm. everyday which I love. Of relationships. Yeah. I've seen this many times. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a house where Harold and Maude was on heavy rotation. Me too. And so <laughs> Ruth Gordon movie. is yes. big for me. I just feel like this gets at this. We can talk about this more when we talk about Polanski as a person, but the women in his movies are simultaneously infantilized and sexualized. Oh God. Yes. yes. There is no there yes. is no line between those two things in his movies. No, and I think that there are ways to play with that that's really interesting. Yeah. Right, right, girl. This kind is of not with Courtney that. Love. This, this ain't that. No, no. no, this is no. <laughs> to the point that when they're looking at the apartment, when she's like, "Can we have it?" That you know, the level of almost daddy girl energy. Yeah. I mean yeah. that in a kind of kinky way is pretty but upsetting. It's not kinky. Not. It's not kinky. I wish yeah. it was kinky. No, because be then we would be wheelhouse. winking at it. But yeah, it's no, not that. No. So it was unsettling. Yes. Uh, and I appreciated the going back and watching it with a critical eye. I feel like the payoff in this movie is so delightful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's something about, and I kept imagining the relationship between the director and the lead character yeah. and was troubled. For yeah. sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm very interested now to read the, the book. Mm -hmm. To see uh -huh. if that same troubling quality comes through or not. Yeah, I'd be curious to know that as well. Yeah. Ugh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But overall, I think it's a really great art horror story. Oh, right? Yeah. And it's executed well. Yeah. Definitely. And it pains me to say it. Right. So. It's, it's <laughs> art. Here's the thing. We can see value in the art. And also say that the art does not have the same value as the impact that the person who created mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. We'll get into that yeah, when we get into we'll that part into of it. But, all right, Ariel, what do you think of this movie? <laughs> so I love this movie. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen it in a lot of years. I watched it over and over again when I was in junior high, high school age, prior to knowing anything about Roman Polanski. Mm -hmm. And I had probably not seen it for about 20 years. So, it was fun to revisit it because I think that what I sort of understood at age 15, I think is really clear now the themes of this movie. And I appreciated them, I think, a lot more than I probably did then. 
I think that this movie is really beautiful too. I think all of the set dressings and costumes are really cool and the beautiful. Costumes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, her funeral dress with that hat, mm-hmm. so good. I was skin- sending screenshots to uh, Matilda while we were watching this. Like, can I wear this? Can I wear that hat? Can I get away with that? Can I get away with that? <laughs> And there's so much wallpaper for you to enjoy. Too. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you know me. I know you love a good wallpaper. I do love a good wallpaper. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's beautiful to look at. And I think that it does a good job of really showing you Rosemary's world. Uh-huh. Everything that we see is what Rosemary is seeing and experiencing. The camera never follows anybody else. Yeah. We're only seeing things from her point of view. And I think that makes it more interesting and allows you to get to know Rosemary a lot better. So you guys have already talked a lot about the themes about women living in a patriarchal society and her weird relationship with her husband. But I just think that this movie so clearly shows you how all of these things are wrong, right? It's presenting the marital rape as wrong and the way that her doctor is treating her and Mm -hmm. the infantilizing way that her neighbors are treating her, the way she's never allowed to make a decision about anything. All of those things I think are presented to you as being not okay, Mm -hmm. which I think is really great and is why this movie I think still resonates with people even today. You know? One of the scenes on that note that really like that again Devin like pointed out was when he took Mm -hmm. the book away. She's yes. Like, and he's just like, oh. yeah, she's like, try it. <laughs> yeah. Try to tell yeah. me I can't read a book. Like, go for it. There's it, just so many times throughout this. And it's, it's so hard because, like, the entire time, like, patriarchy and, like, this is these systems of oppression and the gaslighting, it's shown as being wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I think that her response to those things, while by modernized might seem surprising because you're like well I wouldn't let somebody treat me that way I think you have to remember what year this was made Mm in you know yeah and the idea that he is essentially trading his wife's body and her bodily autonomy for fame and success unflinchingly doing it unflinchingly doing this with no regret or remorse for it is not that unlike the way a lot of women were treated by their husbands Mm-hmm. So using your wife's beauty and her social skills to further your own career. I mean, I'm even thinking about my grandparents' marriage where my grandfather was a engineering executive and my grandma put him through school and then was relegated to throwing dinner parties for him yeah. to make his career happen, you know, joining the junior league to make his career mm-hmm. happen. So well, it's like the, the military, a good spouse. Can exactly. Break your entire career. Exactly. And so I think that what we're seeing in Rosemary's Baby is obviously a very extreme, outlandish version of it, but it is the same thing that was actually happening to women at this time. Mm-hmm. And it is concretely what's happening when he's sending Mia Farrow into traffic for his own yeah. shot. Yeah. Right? Very good point. 100% putting her body on the line for yeah. his success, his yeah. career. Yep. Yeah. That is a very, very good point. It reminded me a lot of uh, Mad Men and Don Draper's relationship with his wife. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, even in that first episode of Mad Men, at least I think it's one of the very early episodes where she's seeing a psychiatrist who then calls the Mm -hmm. husband to tell everything. I mean, that's exactly what's happening here and what universally was happening to women at that time. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, like like the movie Love Story, when she gets diagnosed (laughs) with cancer, spoiler, they don't tell her. The doctors tell the husband. It's just so foreign and... I, mean, I, I think I, I might be the youngest one here, but that's like been the hardest part for me is like going back to these old movies. I, I have to do reading and I have to like kind of compare it to other pieces of media, either about the time or from that time, mm-hmm. because it is just so foreign. Like there's, I, I don't see any world where like the women who are in my life, like my, my, my boss or my wife or whatever, like doing this, like allowing themselves to get trapped in this situation. Yeah, so I think that you're right and that a lot of women wouldn't put up with this. I don't know that allow is the right Mm -hmm. word because I don't know that Rosemary is really allowing it to happen. She's being forced to have it basically happen by this system that she's living in. Even though women may react differently to it now, it's not as though those things don't still exist, at least on some level. I'm going to give you an example from my own life recently. Rachel has heard this story, but... I have a building manager here who fixes all the things in your apartment Mm -hmm. and he is infuriating because he tries to treat me like a child and act as though I don't know anything. And when I told him what the problem was, he told me that the flooding in my hallway was because I wasn't doing the laundry correctly. (laughs) And when I told him that there was a broken pipe in the wall and he needed to fix it, he told me I was wrong, basically patted me on the head and left. And then my whole hallway flooded more and they had to tear out the floor they had to tear out the wall and fix the pipe that I knew was broken (laughs) so (laughs) and that's not the first time that that's happened I have also had doctors do similar things to me so I think that while a lot of things have changed one of the reasons this is still resonant with women (laughs) is because we still get some of this treatment now especially by older men I I know my Mm -hmm. my boss um so she's a PI, like she runs her own lab, and she's a she's. I was just picturing a very like Magnum PI situation. I was just, too. Was like, <laughs> aviators, Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Sorry, no, you're, you're good. Uh, she's younger. Like I, was, I would say she's probably in her mid forties, but she's she's a very good scientist, and she's very high up in Ohio State. And even she has told me because we're friends outside of out of outside of lab, but she has told me some stories that blow my mind oh, about how yeah, like academia? she's one of the most well-funded oh, yeah. researchers at ohio state and still people who are above her in the food chain patronize her and it's just shocking yep. it, mm-hmm. it's just something that for me I, I mean i don't know maybe it's just like myself or how I, or how i kind of grew up and look at things but it just blows my mind that when i hear these stories because it you want to think that it's gone you want to think it's not here anymore you want to think that we've moved past it but it's still entrenched like these system of powers still just yeah reward that kind of bullshit and it's yeah like it makes you want to ask the question like how <laughs> what do we need to do to get past it like we've been talking about this since what this came out in 68 like we're aware of some of these things and we still know that they're here and entrenched fully it's just it blows my mind it really does yeah and the, there's still a pretty substantial portion of our culture that would like very much to return to this mm-hmm. yeah that, yes yeah which is Ooh. 
very scary <laughs> very very fuck you joe mansion by the way <laughs> anyway <laughs> all right sarah why are we full of shit <laughs> no i don't think you're full of shit i just <laughs> i mean that's fair why uh-huh. you guys you guys have you guys have good points and stuff but the plot's kind of the, the the beginning of it's kind of boring and then the, the rape happens and that really pissed me off because she's like i was drunk he's like yeah i was too she's like i was passed out he's like yeah i was a little tipsy too it's kind of hot in a necrophile kind of way yeah i was like the fuck is wrong yeah, he's with so you, flippant dude? about it and then yeah. yeah that pissed me off and then the rest of the movie felt like i was going through all nine months yeah. of her pregnancy <laughs> as the tension built i think knowing everything beforehand knowing the entire plot and the ending and everything kind of made it feel like it dragged mm-hmm. it on more yeah, for me. Gotcha. I did like some of the things, like, you know, when she was, when every time they drug her, how the camera would get shaky and, you know, lots of stuff of her on the water and kind of disorient you as a viewer and, just, you know, from see it from her perspective. And I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, I mean, some of the camera tricks were, were great. It just I just felt like it took a little too long to get where it needed to, to be. Her lack of agency kept yeah. pissing me off, like, you know, when she says she wants to go back to her other doctor and the husband just has a complete flip out, you know, as I've mentioned in the cast before, my wife has got some serious medical issues. And I turned to her, I said, look, if you told me that you wanted to change doctors, I might be like, why is there something wrong? But not, no, yeah, yeah. Well, that wouldn't be fair to Dr. Yeah. Saperstein. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that wouldn't be fair. That wouldn't be fair to. Because that's whose feelings are more important. Yeah, and then the ending pissed me off oh, the most. Okay. She's walking through the hallway. She's got the butcher knife, and I mean, I laughed out loud when she drops the knife and and the touch the floor. Yeah, the great touch. And you know the racist troll. Oh, yeah, I know. Just gave me a good chuckle. But she picks the knife back up, and then the baby starts crying, and she goes towards the baby, and the one woman kind of looks over and goes, like, "No, no, no, it's her." It, She's the mother. She won't. She won't harm him. And she picks up the baby, and you see this look on her face. It was like that joke when you're arguing with your wife. Give her a knife. Her womanly instincts will kick in, and she'll go to the kitchen. Uh, and make I haven't heard that. Not I have that. not heard that joke. Either. I don't care for that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you tell me that joke yeah, and give me so, a knife, the punchline may change. Yeah, I would, I would not try my luck on that one. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean that's seriously what she looked like. She's got the knife in one hand and. And the baby and the other is looking around the room like, oh, they're all hungry. I should make them something. I'm the yeah. woman. That oxytocin is a bitch, man. I, I, I took that way differently. Like, it was very weird to see, like, the head of the coven cast event. It was very, like, sinister and, like, manipulative. Once again, like, she's here. She knows now. Like, her husband doesn't matter. He was a pawn for us to get to what we need. We need the son of Satan, right, to be strong and to do well. Like, I don't care that this crabby old lady has been with the coven longer as an actual member of the coven. Rosemary is more important. She is the mother of the Antichrist, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, we put you through yeah. all this. We lied to you. We're sorry, but but we need you to be a mom now. Like He chose you. Yes. Of all the women in yeah. all mm-hmm. the world. And it's like, we need you to be a mom now. Like, don't let be mad with us. Don't take it out on the kid, right? Like we maybe we all lied to you, maybe we we're all terrible people, but the kid didn't do anything, right? Like just just go be a mom. You wanted to be a mom. Here's your here's your child. 
Yeah. And I think she's so sort of dependent mm-hmm. too and has yeah. been successfully gaslit for so yeah, long that that's also part yeah. of it. Well, yeah. I mean, she's her whole kind of character has been throughout the film has been basically driven by a desire yeah. for motherhood. Yeah. And I think that's what kind and... of solidifies even more this criticism of like the system is like, that's what the system does, right? It takes everything about a woman who has agency or want or a want for agency or a want to be her own person or raise her own family, like, and just breaks you and just breaks you down until literally it's like, what other options do you have? Or reduces you yes. to that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the end of aliens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is where our friendship this is one of the rare points of disagreement <laughs> uh yeah so as a rule i hate dream sequences okay they're up there with birth scenes and eating i just don't like them <laughs> they have no stakes they're just there for plot just to break the rules of the movie for a minute and be like jk didn't really happen mm-hmm. hey i hate that shit However, in this movie, I actually appreciated these dream sequences. I liked the way they were presented and the way that they really do blend reality mm-hmm. and her dreams or whatever. And I do think they lend themselves to being a very important way of presenting the rape scene. Of course, yeah. we need to talk about. But the other thing I really liked about them is that they're one of the few moments where we get any kind of information about Rosemary that is not rooted in this exact present yeah yeah she is very much defined by where she is in this moment we do not know her past we do not know her dreams of the future beyond motherhood we do not know her family we do not know anything about her than what exists in this exact moment Mm -hmm. and so i appreciated that the dream sequences gave us little hints what it reminded me of rachel was the drug sequences in midsummer yes yeah yes and it's interesting that in both of those movies, the characters have to be unconscious or drugged in order to have any identity, yes. any connection to their identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and it is a little psychedelic. Yes, for sure. But I think it's dreamy. A, a, it's a good presentation, particularly the first one where half the screen is her in the bed and then the upper half is what she's actually dreaming. Mm-hmm. Almost like a thought bubble above her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's where we start to find out a little bit about her religious history. There is something in her head aside from guy and baby, baby, baby. Mm-hmm. And and so I appreciated those scenes quite a bit. All right, let's talk about the rape scene. We got to do it. Who would like to go first? <laughs> Matilda's making meaningful eye contact with I'm me. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any thoughts or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about you, Ariel? Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I feel sort of the same way. <laughs> Ick. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that it serves some kind of purpose to the plot, but they're uncomfortable to watch. And now knowing how long it took to shoot, it makes me even more uncomfortable that it exists, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Uh-huh. This one yeah. definitely lingered over parts of her body much more that um, is true yep yeah but it's also the the overt horror scene in this movie everything else is very psychological this is the one time we get into real supernatural horror yeah yeah because at the end you don't even ever see the baby right you 
this is the only time we see yeah. anything Satan-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm kind of glad I did not want to see a terrible 1960s. Yeah. No, I didn't no. either. And I think just seeing her expression of horror when she mm-hmm. walks up and pulls the mm-hmm. curtain on the bassinet is great. Yeah, for me, it's like again I mentioned it already earlier, but I got a lot of midsummer vibes from this movie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this, the rape scene, yes. oddly reminded me of when Danny's boyfriend. Yeah. I, I yeah. would call that almost like a drugged rape, right? Like giving him drugs and uh, oh, like yeah, almost. Yes. Um, yeah. It was very like, like parallel to each other and like opposite, like having the whole crowd there and watching and cheering it on and rooting it on. Mm-hmm. And it was all yeah. very similar. Yeah, the camera lingered on um, Mia Farrah's body a, too much for me. And again, I, I am a, a notorious prude, but Aww. even so, like <laughs> it was just. When I think of exploited that I really think about like Last House on the Left or I Spit in Your Grave or films like that, right? So for me, yeah, it is not. Yeah, like it no. felt far more artistic, and it definitely wanted to make you feel like Rosemary was trapped, like she was awake because she didn't drink the or eat the whole moose, but she had enough that she didn't have control of her body, so she was aware of what was going on. And I thought that was really terrifying, and I think that he captured that feeling well. Yeah, I definitely think you feel what she's yes. feeling, how mm-hmm. scared she is. Yeah, and how horrible it would be to have all of these people cheering it on and acting like this was okay. Then not even having the ability to talk about it or discuss it because yeah. when she wakes up, it's like, you have sex last night? And he's like, yeah, he was like doing a dead body. And like there's a rolling, it's like ignoring it, right? And not even allowing her to discuss it. And then like we already discussed, like she's trapped. She doesn't have any outs to kind of talk to. And it just has to kind of die there. So like, this is like mm-hmm. the impetus for everything that comes later, and it it stops there, which was really heartbreaking. Like, you know, like it's something crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> awesome. All right. Is there anything else? I know we're running long, so we could probably talk about this for like nine more hours. Is there anything you guys really wanted to say before we wrap up our review of Rosemary's Baby? I hated how much okay. I liked it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hear you, brother. <laughs> I think that is mostly the consensus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all like, damn it! <laughs> I want to rip this movie into freaking new asshole. Sarah, how are you feeling about all this? <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs> all right. Let's get into our discussion. We can't have this conversation and not talk about the context. We've hinted at it a lot. We need a little bit of background about Roman Polanski, and then we're going to finish our conversation today up with a little brief discussion about art versus the artist. This is the conversation that never dies, so we got to do it. All right, Larry, take it away, my friend. So there is a lot that I left out, and I'm actually happy that I kind of kept this tight, especially for time constraints, but I want to make it very clear this is not comprehensive, and this is really just running through bullet points. Of course. Which okay. is an indictment in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. All right. So Roman Polanski is a Polish-French director, writer, producer, and actor. And he has been a controversial figure since 1977. One interesting note, we kind of mentioned it. I want to mention it again. It's important. Uh, Polanski was married to actress Sharon Tate and uh, was the father to her unborn child, who was murdered in the 1969 Helter Skelter murders at his own home that was orchestrated by Charles Manson. Polanski was in Europe making a film at the time of the murders. And to this day, 
he says, not being with Tate and the others is one of his biggest regrets in life. So, I think of some other people that feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly, and for our conversation, what we've been hitting at this entire time, he is a fugitive from the United States for the rape of a minor in 1977, to which he accepted a plea bargain and admitted guilt to the actual rape. I'm not sure how much we want to get into the actual case, and I kept it very light, but trigger warnings because there is really nasty shit. The highlights are following a Vogue poolside photo shoot at Jack Nicholson's home in Bel Air. The crime took place where Polanski forced himself on a 13-year-old girl, drugged her, and sodomized her. With many of Hollywood's executives at his back, the prosecutor offered a plea bargain where Polanski would admit he raped the young woman but his punishment would be time served in a 90-day stint in a psychiatric treatment facility. The judge, and this is, again, where I tried to, it gets muddy, whether from a sense of moral duty or wanting to show he had bigger guns than Hollywood, decided last minute he was not going to grant Polanski time served and was going to instead sentence him to 50 years in prison. Working with his friend, acclaimed... Matilda's pumping her fist over here, by the way. Just (laughs) thought you should know. Uh, working with his friend acclaimed filmmaker dino de laurentis for my food network friends this is giada's granddad oh shit i didn't know uh, that polanski Mm. skipped out of town and went to france where extradition laws have protected him to this day the case is still pending polanski was sued in 1988 by gaily that's the young woman's attorney for the emotional toilety sexual assault and rape had taken on her life polanski would settle this out of court it's important to note in 2000, in a 2008 interview, the victim said, I don't want to see him to be held to further punishment or consequence. This is the big one. In 2009, Polanski was arrested by U.S. authorities while he was in Switzerland. Even though the general public of the United States, France, and Poland wanted to see him extradited and to face punishment for his crimes, he had the vocal support of many, many Hollywood and European artistic elite. He was released in 2010 from this house arrest when Switzerland denied the United States extradition request. Going back to our victim in 2011, she blamed the media, reporters, the court, and the judge for having caused, and I quote, way more damage to me and my family than anything Roman Polanski has ever done, and opined that the judge was using her and Polanski for media exposure. Mm. In 2018, and it's important to keep in mind this is really the rise of the Me Too movement, Polanski was removed from the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. Polanski has blamed Harvey Weinstein for the renewed focus on his sexual abuse case in the 2000s. Oh my god! I know, this is not fun. And claimed that Weinstein tried to brand him a child rapist to stop him from winning an Oscar in 2003. Oh, Oh, I know. Before the Me Too renaissance, I think it's also Mm -hmm. important to note, Polanski would sue many, many publications for libel, including such big names as Vanity Fair for slandering him. And the scary thing... Dude, you admitted you butt-fucked a 13-year-old. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you! Yeah, it's slander if it's <laughs> and true. And he yeah. shockingly won most of these cases with the backing of, again, what? the artistic elite. That's such bullshit, because literally you're not supposed to be able to convict somebody of slander if yeah. or libel if the facts are accurate. Right. That's insane. So I, I would draw you. your attention now over to Discord. Really quickly, we will look at the first video. It's the one with Harrison Ford <sighs> in the footnote. This is when, in 2003, Polanski won his best director for The Pianist. So we can go ahead and click that. And... Right, I'm playing it. 
You'll you're gonna hear it fully through the headphones. Okay. Deanna Jones, no, not a single one of woman among them. <laughs> Cheers. We should keep an eye on the crowd here. Oh no, it's failed. Oh my god, they show fucking Jack Nicholson! Yeah, whistling! Andy, you know who was behind him? Did you see who was behind him? Harvey fucking Weinstein. God damn it. Meryl Streep was um, behind him, shouting. Yeah, and that kind of takes me in to my next thing. I mentioned in 2009 he had a lot of support from Hollywood, right? That kind of was pushing to like get him released and not be extradited. Here is a list of the most prominent, again, this is not all-inclusive, the most prominent people who signed this petition. Woody Allen. Of course. Wes Anderson. Of course. Asia Argento. Mm -hmm. Darren Aronofsky. Mm -hmm. Monica Belushi. Adrian Brody. Penelope Cruz. Alfonso Cuaron. Gilmiro del Toro. Jonathan Demme. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Terry Gilliam. Buck Henry. Alejandro Inharatu. Jeremy Irons. Neil Jordan. John Landis. David Lynch. Michael Mann. Mike Nichols, Alexander Payne, Natalie Portman, Natalie Brett Ratner, Portman. Walter Sayles, Brett Ratner makes sense. Jerry Schatzberg, Julian Schnabel, Martin Scorsese, Steven Sodenberg, Tilda Swinton, Tilda, Chris, yeah, Tilda Swinton, Kristen Thomas, Tom Twiker, Emma Thompson, and Wim Wenders. Uh, fuck. Asia Argento has since. I mean, yes. Asia yeah. Argento is. She's oh, got. She's got, got her own shit. On. Yeah. Yes. I don't want to focus on her specifically, but the reason why I want to talk about it is I mentioned how me and Rachel had a big, long conversation about this kind of stuff in particular. I am someone who has a lot of criticism for Meryl Streep. It goes back to the Harvey Weinstein stuff. I think that she was in a position where she could have stopped this. And in so many instances, she protected not only Weinstein, but Polanski. And if you look if you click on the second video, again, this is taken from definitely some alt-right account. It is the initial quote that I want y'all to hear. So it's All in the right, first few seconds. Let's go ruin our YouTube algorithm. Okay, great. Thanks. Just that quote. She's, she's very sorry. He's in jail. Fuck you, bitch. And that is why mm. I find it so important in this moment that we just reviewed these two movies. And I even said I really like Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. At what point, at what time, where is a society to draw a line? I talked about this when I did the Hitchcock thing, right? Hitchcock's mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. I think it's an easier pill to swallow. Yeah. And during that, I talked about, for myself personally, and I'm sure many people are on the same boat, but Marilyn Manson. As a kid who fell on the outside, like, his music was empowering to me. His image was empowering to me, right? And then obviously now we see all this shit come out and I haven't listened to a Manson song since that went down, which is weird because I would listen to Manson every day, maybe mm-hmm. even like before it happened. But what he's accused of, in my opinion, I think is very feasible. And mm-hmm. I, it's, I don't really have a hard time believing these women because it makes sense in the timeline. There's a up. pattern. Yeah. And also belief win. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's hard and it makes you really question 
especially for myself as someone who really likes Hollywood, who likes the Oscars, mm-hmm. who loves Martin Scorsese, who likes really a great deal of Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what is our responsibility as an audience, as someone who takes in the art? Because Polanski's still alive. Yeah. Still making movies. Yeah, very still true. Still getting, getting caped fry for less people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I put in the quotes, right, from his victim who said, back off. I mean, and do you, can you imagine the degree of harassment she has experienced? Oh and that every Not time the no, so Woody no Allen stuff comes up, she probably gets harassment. Oh. All throughout Me Too, she probably got, she's probably saying, let it go so that I can. Well, and if you if you tell me that that statement that she wrote was not written by his lawyer as a form <sighs> as a part of that settling right. out of court, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. good point, good point. And and that's the thing, right? Is like there's so much here. There's so many layers to this because the Harvey Weinstein thing to me that was an open, not even a secret. That was open discussion. Seth MacFarlane, love him or hate him made that fucking crystal clear during his opening monologue when he hosted the Oscars. When was that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, 2015, 2016? When was... I know Courtney Love said it. Dude, yeah. Courtney Love said it in like 2004 when she was like, don't don't go to a hotel room with... You know, do you have any any uh, after-party stuff for the Oscars? Yeah, She's like, yeah it was like, what it, what's Weinstein's your advice for young women in Hollywood? And she said something mm-hmm. like, if Harvey Weinstein invites you to a meeting, don't go. And I've heard some really <laughs> poor go. stories about like what happened at Sundance. I mean, God, I haven't. I mean, that but was also, literally a breeding. That, that was a breeding ground for Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Of course, and he was yeah. the king and of that place. It's really hard, and it's the reason why I wish I could get with Sarah and get behind these schlocky movies that are made by <laughs> what are probably friends behind the scenes, right? Because they probably don't have this dark underbelly that a lot of these Hollywood movies do. And you hear about, like, even, like, on the the male side of the spectrum, like, Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. God. Who, yeah. Yep. It, it's in River Phoenix and, and the other. Terry Crews, yeah. Yes. And it's just, it's sick and it's disgusting and it's perverted. But the worst part is that it really seems to be perba- pervasive on all the levels. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I watched the movie... Um, Oh my gosh! It was the one on Fox News. It was one with John Lithgow played. Oh, I watched that too. Uh, what is it called? Yeah, it had Mar- it had Margot Robbie and Nicole Kidman in it. Yes, and it um, has a Kate McKinnon. It it just shows that it's like a lot of people will say, well, I guess especially our, our QAnon friends, where we go when we go all. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> they want to say it's the Hollywood liberal elite, right? It's not. It's a power thing, right? And it's people who want to yeah. share in that power or bask in that power too, who just accept it. Yeah. And it's the reason why I bootleg Rosemary's Baby. And even though I like it, I'll probably never own it. Yeah. And I don't know if I'll watch it again right. because it it was hard to watch that movie. It's not that fun to my... watch it. You know what I mean? It's just not yeah. that fun. The whole time you're like drugged and raped teenager. I mean, somebody drugged pooped in it. Teenager. Right? It's like a really good meal that somebody pooped in. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and and so you probably enjoy a sandwich more ta- if someone hadn't fucked it. Yeah. And it's something I've talked about a lot on our podcast. And when Rachel invited me on, I told her it was something I wanted to get more people's perspective on because God bless Justin, but he 
he's so easygoing. Yeah, yeah, he's Canadian. What are you gonna do? <laughs> and, and I, I, but I know from listening to your guys' podcast, and obviously talking to Rachel a great deal, you all have strong feelings. So I would just really love to hear how do you guys deal with it? How do you guys swallow these pills and you know keep watching movies you it's like? Hard. I mean, with a lot of context, and I think the problem with the Polanski stuff above all is that there was no justice in it yeah no if he had done oh, he, these he, things he served and 40 went, days in jail rachel it, fuck you <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> you <laughs> but i guess that's the thing is like if there was some degree of justice i would probably be able to watch these a lot easier but knowing that he yeah. still is at large still having people just cheer him on and laud him and support him it makes it yeah. a lot harder to watch this. And I think at its core, my issue with the art versus the artist debate is that there is some baked in misogyny at its core. Yep. That that it's even a How question. So? Can you explain that? Well, because you're saying at some degree that there is an argument for why these women's lives are val- less valuable than the art created by the men. Okay. Who val- okay. Yeah. Well, not only that, but we have this thing like, oh, the the artor, the tortured artist. He's so good at what he does. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole, but you know, he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. Take the Shia LaBeouf, Olivia Wilde thing. She was like, I'm not putting up with this shit. Get the fuck off my set and never come back. Mm -hmm. And it was, she's a bitch to work with. Yeah. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf is like definitely a more modern hard one because a lot of his movies, like before this more recent one, I watched Honey Boy. Mm Mm-hmm. That was an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. It, it just was. It was. It was hard to watch. It was a criticism of Hollywood, a criticism of his father, like a deep social dive. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by a woman. And it was like I, there's a lot of things to like about yeah, it, right? Sure. But Shia LaBeouf is a piece of shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like full stop. Yeah. And yes. it, yeah. It's it sucks, and I feel like it's why I've really stopped diving into things like I used to in the past mm. because I feel like it's like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Yeah. If you look with a close enough lens, you're going to find this shit throughout all of it. Yeah. And I hate it. It sucks. It's exhausting, but it also means that even the modicum, the minuscule consequence for what their actions, it's like one less consequence for it even if it's just one less person not watching it or because honestly the only justice that we get for roman polanski is that every time his name comes up he gets called a rapist or a rapist probably also a rapist but who knows and that's i mean like that's the best we can hope for unless by some miracle he gets extradited until that day the only thing we have to hang our hat on is constantly reminding everyone sure rosemary's baby was good buddy rape the 13 year old yeah. yeah. You get to live with that knowledge. That's honestly the only thing that we have to hang our hats on. So that's why, even though I hate it and it bums me out to see people I love, like Sigourney Weaver giving him awards and that changes things for me a little bit for her. And I that yeah. sucks for me. At least it's some tiny consequence. Because so much of what their privileges is based on is this hero worship. If you can take even a little hero worship yeah. away, they lose a little bit of privilege, a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to be vocally yeah. critical. And I think there is them. this idea that critique and especially critique about sexism and racism 
in particular kind of quote unquote ruins it for everybody else right this is cancel culture i can't i can't with this a hundred percent but yes 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 to be clear the person who is ruining roman polanski movies is roman polanski right right Right. it's not people who want to kind of point Mm -hmm. to a truth about roman polanski correct yeah but i think that what rachel was saying about there being some intrinsic misogyny in the idea that you can separate Mm -hmm. the art from the artist I think that part of that is that it kind of pathologizes as weak-minded and silly people for whom that's not a theoretical exercise yes that 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 yes that was (laughs) right there you know all those gifts pointing this 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 that just happened in real life (laughs) it confuses privilege with the mental strength to set something aside yes yes and that's not strength that's just not caring about something unless you personally have skin in the game or a daughter who does or whatever yeah um and it's hard to convince privileged people that other people's pain is meaningful if it threatens their experience of getting to like something in an uncomplicated way they kind of resent it but -hmm. i think we resent it too i want to like this movie right i mean that's the thing you're talking about larry (laughs) exactly it fucking sucks yeah. Just keep your dick in your pants and we'll all love your movies in an uncomplicated way. Yeah. yeah. How hard is it not to <laughs> masturbate in front of people or whatever? Right. Right. Yes. Quit texting keep your dick in your pants girls. and off your phone. Yeah. There's there's almost no excuse now. Almost every single place in the US, the age of consent is 18 or over, and there is Romeo and Juliet laws, but that's three years. If she's Three years younger than you or three years older than you. Okay. So seriously, Uh, James Franco. James Franco. That would make him 39. Not 16. Mm -hmm. That's rough stuff. And the thing that pisses me off about the James Franco thing is that, you know, Seth Rogen's like, oh, making a big deal about how he's not going to work with him. Buddy, this shit's been going on for the past 15 years that it's been public. You know about this. Don't don't act like you you yeah, just yeah. me found too, out because, yesterday. Again, with the coming from a, a male perspective, right? Like Seth Rogen and, jo- and James Franco came up together. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Seth Rogen, they they are tied in Freaks a way. And geeks. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not trying. I'm not because mm-hmm. like I gave away a couple of my books from James Franco, like Palo Alto and stuff. Like, but what Seth Rogen is doing now seems a lot more exploitative of trying to be like I'm a good guy. As opposed to when he was like when he wouldn't address it and he wouldn't talk about it, it was more like again problematic, but maybe like waiting to see what happened with his friend. But now that's not the vibe I get. Now it's like I'm woke, I'm good, and it's like you can't do that. Like we know, like the internet is forever, like Twitter is forever, YouTube has crippled so many of these people from being I able mean, to crippled. gaslight. <laughs> yeah, and it's that is probably the thing that annoys me the most and it is the reason why i cannot stand meryl streep because she yeah. went up there and started talking and trying to be a hero when i'm sorry but like bitch you're the fucking one who let all these women go through this you could have said anything at any point because you had the clout and the power and instead you protected these guys mm-hmm. and it makes me sick yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's just and i, I don't know women it, are again. not your ally <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst. Rachel, what you were saying is like, like white women aren't your allies. No, they're not. Because they're entrenched in the system of powers too. Yeah. And it's just all the, it's it's just everywhere. Yeah. All this shit is everywhere. And it's why I'm thankful that I've become friends with you all. It's why I try to use like my platform to like 
push back against it. Yeah. And I won't tolerate it. And it's just like, I, I want it to be done. And then it's exhausting. Yeah. Because there can be growth. Yeah. There's definitely that, for growth, I guess like that's I said. my question. Yeah. Like, with the Seth Rogen stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, not him necessarily, him specifically, but where do we find the place where people are allowed to grow? Because I do feel like you can fuck up as long as you grow. The problem is. Disease. Yeah, if he really genuinely took that time, I mean, he at least yeah. took some time out of the fucking spotlight. And, and not only that, but season three of Master of None, I haven't seen it yet. Apparently, he takes an extreme. Oh, vaccine. it's brutal. He's in it for five minutes, but it's a brutal season. Just be aware. Oh, it's, it's, it's a breakup season. It's oh, just God. a rough. Oh, it's it's all it, Lena Waithe okay. and yeah. That's what I was going to say. I know it focuses on those yeah. two, which again is to me. That's what I need to see, right? It's great, yeah. We can make mistakes. I think grace as a society is an important yeah. thing yeah. to get better. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, you know, I don't want us to kind of in the Sarah Shulman conflict is not abuse, but I don't want us to enact disposability on people. Mm-hmm. I also want a way for people to grow, Larry, like you're saying, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And I kind of want a way yeah. for people to get to change their mind and then and grow and if we don't believe in enacting things that are kind of like punitive prison like things for people who around opinions right not necessarily around actions i i want a kind of restorative justice thing where people get to sit and grapple with the impact and change their minds yeah Right, because otherwise, as a society, we're not going to move forward. It's yep. not going to get better if people yeah. can't come to a place of understanding and then move forward without being criticized in yes. the same way they were when they didn't believe it. That's what I, as a consumer, and also as someone who looks at this a little more critically from time to time, that's what I yeah. need. If I can see growth, if I can see you trying to do better things and it seems sincere and you're mm-hmm. putting stake into it, that's I think that's all we should really ask for because at the end of the day yeah. we're all we're thank all humans, god right? social media did not exist when I was a kid I bet I said some problematic mm. oh same stuff as a kid oh yeah yeah I'm sure we all same did. Yeah. oh I know I've I know I've engaged in some problematic behaviors gotta learn and grow and we gotta be as yeah. good about praising those people who are showing growth as we are hard on the people who are yes who are falling short yeah yeah but also yeah fun very true all right any other thoughts about art versus the artist or are we ready i don't want to cut anybody off i just want to say thank you all for discussing with me because it's something that i constantly fight with especially when it seems like so many of the people who i like so much are yeah yeah i mean listen i love hitchcock and hp lovecraft and Mm -hmm. chinatown is one of my favorite movies of all time As mm-hmm. is Annie Oh, Hall. no. And so... Can't go there with you. Enjoy <laughs> <laughs> no, no, your no. island. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's things like that. It makes me constantly have to think about Great. this stuff and grapple it's... with it. Because it is really hard. It's challenging. It's built into the price, right? Yeah. Yep. Right. But even though it is hard, you got to talk about it. I mean, right. And it's not a yes or no. Like, I think there are some choices mm-hmm. we can make. Like Rachel, I know you've said that I will pay for these movies when that person is dead. Right. Yeah. Or I will pay for that. Right. right. And I think that when that's a really no longer important... directly benefit from it. We'll have a conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's also tricky when the, the artist is so 
prevalent in their own work. And by that, I mean with Hitchcock, for instance, right? I mean, he hosted his own show. He has cameos in most of his movies. Woody Allen stars in most of his movies. When somebody is that intrinsically linked to the thing you're actually viewing at the time where it's not just something you can separate, it becomes even trickier to know how to handle it, Yeah, you know? And I appreciate the chance to revisit this and be like, this is a complicated thing. I feel a complicated way about this, Mm -hmm. right? Like I like Ira Levin and I like Mia Farrow. This is a good movie and I feel complicated about this. And I think that's the kind of gray area that people want to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, no. (laughs) Right. Right. Which I get. (sighs) Or also stop talking about that. I want to enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that drives me the craziest. People want to draw an ethical line, I think, in the same way that you have to give people room to be like, I want to watch this with caveats. They also get to say, no, my ethical line is zero. Mm -hmm. It's zero. But the one I don't have a lot of patience for is the, like, stop talking to me about this so I can just fucking enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, that's not That one's a bummer. It's one of the things I'm most appreciative about Rachel for. Again, not to keep Listen, my butt, butt, butt welcomes all but smoke. Like, <laughs> Blow but, away. But like you, because, because as you know, like these are things, like I've told Rachel like a lot of stuff before, but like I grew up in an all white town where the Klan mm-hmm. was active. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I have family members who have these feelings and they've gone through stuff, right? And I know for myself, like until probably I went to Miami I was very like deeply conservative and it's taken like reading and Rachel rolls your eyes whenever I say this uh, Listen, Joe Rogan's podcast, the, there are many roads to the promised land okay <laughs> I mean if somebody opened your eyes to it then that's okay as long as you're also willing to be critical it is a very surprising too. back alley but I'm He's glad you got on the road <laughs> <laughs> But like I, I don't know, like, I I and I feel like the journey's I mean, not done for and any of us. Like, I, I think it's for any of us. Point. That yeah. shit is yeah. forever. Yeah. No, the moment you think you're done is a dangerous. Is the minute you open your mouth and you're like, God damn it! <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and that's why it's important. And I think I hope if people listen to this, like understand, like this isn't easy. Like I like yeah. this movie a lot, but I like I said, I probably won't watch it again until yeah. he dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And for anybody who's never listened to Here's Johnny before, I mean, listen to the fun episodes like the Saw one or that trivia game (laughs) one you do. But you also should listen to the two episode one they did on Hitchcock because they talk about both his contributions to cinema and also the terrible, terrible things he did and then review the birds. And it's all really interesting and well done. So you guys should check it out. I concur. I appreciate that. I spent I was. I really wanted to do well on that. Yeah, you could tell. Hitchcock is a Mm -hmm. subject for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's complicated, dude. Because I mean, those I was obsessed (laughs) with those when I was a kid. There were a handful of them that I watched multiple times. But then you find, and I would always look for him in the movie, you know. And then you find out Mm -hmm. he's the worst. (laughs) And the Simpsons references that we kind of grew up with. Yes, Yes. I mean the problem is, is probably almost every. One of those people, maybe not Vincent Price. God, please not Vincent Price. But like all those people were. Oh, please don't do that. Oh no. <laughs> powerful men in a time where there really was no consequences. I mean, there's no consequences now for the most even part. Even worse than no consequences. But, but there wasn't social. Yeah, there weren't even social. I guess that's the thing is that's what we have in lieu of actual equal justice yep. is we have social justice to some degree. Yeah, 
that's why I think cancel culture is so annoying. Like it's it's, it's not what it is, right? It's holding people accountable. Show me who has been canceled. Yeah. Name one canceled. You did this person. for Rachel. You did this for me. We had, we had this conversation <laughs> at length, and you were, <laughs> you were totally right. Like yeah. there's a difference between holding people accountable and holding their feet to the fire and giving them a chance to grow. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Think there's room to grow. Yeah. You, you may never get to run your studio again, Harvey Weinstein. But is there a chance for redemption? Not for him, probably, because he would have to. I don't think do he constitutionally lot. could do the things that he would need to do in order to, you know, make amends for that kind of situation. I don't think he has it in him. But I think most people have a way back if they can humble themselves and learn and change. Yeah, take accountability for your actions and everything is just better. You'll deal with the shit. It's important to deal with your shit, but take accountability when you fuck up because we all fuck up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We're human. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, you know, I think that that same argument has been made about Polanski quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. About both his wife and his losing his mother in the Holocaust. Mm. And so I think that the kind of trauma explanation for his behavior with not just the one survivor, but many, many people, mm-hmm. it sounds like, but that expires when you go into somebody else's body space. 100%. A minor, too. And do, and like, every. Again, there is a lot of details that I didn't even like like reading. Yeah. But to drug yeah. her and take her away from everybody else and the sodomy and just all of it. And then he admitted to it. Yeah. Like there there's no ambiguity. Yeah. He admitted to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. If you want a deep dive on that, Christina Longworth's podcast, you must remember mm-hmm. this. She did a series on Charles Manson and she did a full episode on mm-hmm. Polanski and covers the sexual assault okay so if you want more information covered in a really smart yeah. way um, that's yeah. awesome and i read that there was also larry did you read this that there was a documentary made defending polanski produced I watched by Weinstein. that documentary really because yeah, I, I didn't I know what it. it was yeah i saw it and i watched it and i was like what in the life of polanski's <laughs> uh-huh, female yeah. director that's uh-huh. crazy oh, i did yeah. not know oh, that yeah. When did that happen? About 10, yeah. 12 years ago. Maybe? It was on HBO oh, crazy. or something. Yeah, like, like I said, around 2009 to 2011 is when Probably he got arrested. around this, yeah. And there was a push, right, for him to be extradited. Right. But a lot, and a lot of powerful people just leaned on it and killed it. Mm-hmm. And that's when all this kind of stuff came out. Like, <sighs> just throwing a little bit of shadow on it, right? Just a little bit of doubt. Yeah, fuck that. All right, on that cheery note, we still have an extended episode to get to. We still have a lot of problematic shit to talk about. So let's wrap this up. Uh, We don't have any listener feedback for this episode, but if you want to get in touch, you can drop us an email at rachel at zombiegirls.com or come chat with us on the Zombie Girls Facebook page, on Twitter at ZG Podcast, and IG at ZG Podcast, plural. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, check out our video on demand calendar where we keep track of all the horror and horror Jason stuff on streaming and video on demand. And if you want to look really sexy on your next hot date, be sure to head <laughs> over to our TeePublic <laughs> store at tpublic.com for zombie-girls.podcast for all of our awesome merch. While you're there, you should look at the Here's Johnny merch. There's some really dope Saw merch on there for our crossover episode. From Justin's amazing wife. 
I know. I'm obsessed with her. She's so awesome. She's so talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has the dirtiest sense of humor, which I freaking love. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to put in a particular plug for the Tee Public muscle shirt. Oh, yeah! The very soft muscle shirt, which if you enjoy the workout shirt that has, uh, if you enjoy side boob, this Ooh. shirt is for you. It's very soft. Okay. But get ready for side boob. I enjoy side boobs on others. Awesome. <laughs> but as a never nude. You got a cute bra boob. you want to show? That side, boob is, that side boob is rocking. <laughs> and if you want to support us, we have a Patreon where all of the episodes, if you're a patron, are extended, as well as you get to get on our Discord, which is hopping. Larry can tell you we yes. had a thread this week. <laughs> <laughs> That was not for the faint of heart, but very funny. And you want to be a part of that. So join our Patreon. And Larry, I did all my plugs. Let's do your plug. Okay. Uh, Actually, I've done this before. This is my first time. Oh, exciting. So here's Johnny Podcast. Can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. We release episodes every Monday. We are wrapping up a kaiju season, and we're getting ready to start something new. We break things down into like horror subgenres to kind of keep things fresh. You can follow me on Twitter at BeaverLA. You can follow my co-host Justin, who's awesome, at Pickle Thing. The podcast itself is at Here's Johnny Cast. We have a website, Here's Johnny that's ran by one of our patrons, Seagram, with a lot of help from Rachel and wow. our patron Marcus putting it together. So we're really appreciative of that because, again, when it comes to computers, I am uh, not helpful. And... When you're pretty, you don't got to know anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's where most active is on Twitter. And send us an email, comment on us, come listen. Like, like they said, they did a great job. We, we do serious stuff. We also do a lot of laid back and fun stuff, too. So, yeah, that's all I've got. I mean, we're podcast fan, but I'm also a total Here's Johnny fangirl. So take it from me. Show is it. dope. <laughs> it is great. Yep. So unless you are a patron and sticking around for the end or for the extended episode in which we will be finishing our read through of My Sweet Adrena, Oof. which we made Larry read. <laughs> <laughs> Much to his absolute chagrin. I um, really, really thought that you were blowing it out of the water saying it was worse than Flowers New Life. <laughs> we didn't overhype not. it? No. I you was were not. not. It's troubling in a different way, but... Yes. Sarah, do me a solid. Take us out. Thank you for listening to another episode of Zombie Girls. If you're with the Patreon, <laughs> stick around. We got some more sweet, sweet talk on Sweet Adrena. If not, thanks for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Thanks, Larry. Bye, Thanks, everybody, for listening and to all my co-hosts for waking up early every month just to talk about horror movies with me. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show is 80s Halloween Horror by Megan McDuffie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode. If you are here, it means you are an awesome patron and you are family, and that means you get to suffer because when we get to suffer (laughs) (laughs) or maybe our pain is your pleasure whatever the case may be welcome to my sweet adrena where we will read from i guess where are we at page 250 to completion so (laughs) thank you for wording it that way in particular (laughs) well everybody got mad at me when i was talking about vinegar strokes last time (laughs) 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 (laughs)
<laughs> that was one of my favorite moments of ever editing the podcast is getting to the point where I said that. And like, it's just wailing from Matilda. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, Rachel. And then I can hear so- quietly Sarah in the back going like, <laughs> I was like, I thought- nothing has ever encapsulated our podcast more than this minute. <laughs> 